Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. And it is time for the Tech Ranch. I just love the bumper music. Don't you love the bumper music? I do love the bumper music. You came up with the bumper music. I didn't come up with it. Well, I just, it I just come up with. put a team together to come up with the bumper music. Because you have a team. I have a team. I let my people talk to your people, and now we have bumper music. <laughs> it's frightening. We have people. Who knew? Not, not very good people. Well, yeah, not we very did, nice people. No, be nice to them. At least we have people. Yes. That have people. People, people have people. And <laughs> now I'm thinking of that other song. People are people. What was is the it? Pesh mode? Is it? People are, yeah. yeah. People, people are, are people. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last thing people want to do is listen to us sing. Oh, my goodness. No people I want hope, to hear that. I hope that was in stereo for everybody because it was here. Oh, that was that was uh, not good. Epic. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm, okay. I'm back in from my, my trip from Vegas, as you can tell. Yeah, and barely survived this one. This was... This was a massive, uh, I don't know if, well, you've been to NEB, so the National right. Association of Broadcasting, they just finished up their conference. I've gone to this probably for five or six years now. I'm not a lifetime journalist, you know, so right. I just uh But you've started. been inducted into the club now. I suppose. You, you slid over to the dark side of NAB. As of this week, yes. Because yes. I have never been invited to parties before at oh, NEB. Oh, and how did that go for you, Marlo? I'm, and I, I would imagine because our show run, won a few awards this year is 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 Ooh. why we. Ended What'd you up, win? Well, we have we got a okay. Whole we'll talk bunch about that. Yeah, stuff, but, um, but yeah, and and uh, um, so I suppose this is why I got invited to a few of these parties. But my goodness. I cannot get over. I thought CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, is bad, and that's just Yo, a bunch of geeks that get yeah. together there. They're doing geeky things. There is nothing like the people in the media industry. What I'm just think? telling you. Tell you what, I could tell you some stories from NAB back in the day, and from CRS, and and some of the different radio things that were epic. My, my guess one of the is, biggest ones was down in Minneapolis every okay, year. Okay, uh, there was one in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. My guess is because this is really the first true NEB they've had uh, post COVID. Right. So I just think there was just a lot of pent up and partying that Vegas had to go on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, every night I think I had like five to eight parties to go to. And did you make them all? No. No. Did you try? I don't, and I don't normally drink either. Just so you understand I you this, don't. I mean, it's it's unusual for me to. I mean, I might have a beer occasionally or whatever, but but when they just keep handing them to you, it's Saturday afternoon, and he still reeks of alcohol. <laughs> Does that help at all? <laughs> With another two hours of sleep last yeah. night, the whole week was this two to three hours a night thing going on. But with all that said, I did have. A little time last night, so I went to BattleBots. You went to BattleBots? 
You know the the show BattleBots. Yeah, yeah, where the robots fight against each other. Yeah, this was this was great. It was it's like World Wrestling Federation meets STEM. You know the science, <laughs> science, the technology, <laughs> science, tech, whatever STEM. Is. I'm too tired to even know what STEM stands for today. But anyway, it's a science thing that that we have our you know students do. Yeah, it's 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 kind of this crazy thing. Uh, where they have these announcers that that hype everything up, and then the teams come out and they trash talk each ding, other, ding. and uh, and these robots, of course, you know, they're all just these crazy little things, and and uh, okay, so they look fairly small on TV. They're I, not okay. That's what I was wondering because are they bigger than they look on TV? They are bigger than when they... I go on TV. It adds ten twenty pounds on yeah. me, not with <laughs> battle bots because yeah. they look small on TV. So. They're all different sizes, but the the one called Mega uh, is six feet tall and three and three hundred pounds, and it was matched up against some little forty pound thing this time, and it was really interesting because this thing could have just crushed it. At, you'd think could crush it any time, but the little guy was so agile and zipping around, right? And he had this little thing that would just you could get underneath. And pop him up, and he actually flipped this three hundred pound robot over. Okay, that's a lot to lift three hundred pounds. And it wasn't just like he flipped it over. This thing was airborne, and wow. the whole crowd is just going crazy when that that's happens. A of big course, big pancake this, flipper. This was this was a David and Goliath thing. Mega eventually wins, but it was just fun to see that. Uh, and, and you know, in in these teams, well, it's like WWE wrestling. It's yeah, like you always have the little guy that's kind of the shill that's gonna fight the champion, and they're always that little guy. But they're the ones that bounce off the ropes, so they're really entertaining. They go ping, that, ping, ping, ping. That is kind of, yeah. and of course, they got the the hammers that are coming down, and there's uh, sparks flying everywhere because that you get these these saw blades that pop up in the middle. So you could be winning, and then all of a sudden this hammer just comes down on you, you know. So you just never know. You just never know what's going to happen in this thing. I must break you. That's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking last (laughs) night, too. But what I found fascinating is, you know, it's, it's just, it is a lot of fun to watch this go on, right? But it was the interviews that really fascinated me. So, the because BattleBots has been going on since like 1999, and it started on the Comedy Channel of all places. Yeah, I remember that. And and uh, what has happened is it's inspired young people. So they had all these young people who they had talked to when they were young, and it inspired them to go into, Marlo into STEM. They're still young. Yeah, well, that's okay. true. That's yeah, true. Just, I, 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 I sorry, I wanted I haven't to, changed any on the last. I, I know, years. but I just wanted Sand. to point that out. But they are now adults, and now these people who were inspired by these robot-building teams for BattleBots are now engineers. That's I thought so it was cool. I thought it was the coolest thing to see because they just they they just got they they had so much fun. And the other thing that was interesting about this event last night is all the kids that were there. This place was packed with kids, so. I mean, it, it was, it's just one of those things that, you know, they, they, they all get hyped up and, and, you know, they're over there asking these teams questions about the robots. And these are six, seven, ten year olds. It, it kind of gave me hope. All strung out on Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget the pocket protectors. <laughs> okay. So go back to, because I don't think a lot of people realize how long BattleBots has been around. Yeah. 
And it, it kind of started out as, okay, well, this is kind of a cool idea with, you know, college teams and, right, and it right. was a college project or, it kinda a, was. or a class project. Yeah. And then it turned into, okay, well, it grew and a little bit bigger. And then, then there was some money behind it. And, you know, kind of like NASCAR, you got sponsors because you'd see the stickers start showing up yes. on some of the robots. Yeah, it kind of grew up. Yeah. But think what that led to because now you've got all these other different STEM uh, programs that, you know, if it wasn't for BattleBots, I don't think we'd have drone racing. And that's turned into a big sport. Huge sport. So, yeah, it it, it probably did, at least had people thinking about what was possible and would people use this or, or view this as entertainment, you know, what if, if right. robots are going to fight each other. And, it's it, you know, I guess the one thing about it, it's just robots fighting each other, so nobody's getting hurt. You know, you're not. It's not boxing, but it kind of is. It's not wrestling, but it kind of is. You know what the start so. to all this is? I, I I think the the start of the battle bots, which led to all this technology, and it was kind of the you know the robots were the digital, and uh, prior to the digital, what was it? Analog. R- right, but what was the analog version of battle bots? Boy, I do not know. It, one of my favorite toys when I was growing up. Oh, the the boxers, Rock'em Sock'em yes, robots. Yes, blue or red? <laughs> Were you pretty good at this? <laughs> I was. I, I, I was a geek. I, I, I loved my Rock'em Sock'em robots. I didn't. And if even I would have been a few generations later, it would have been BattleBots. I I could never get the controllers to work on mine. Really? So I just maybe well, wasn't good. To, okay, you had to tinker a little bit because they would get sticky. So you had to go in and, and lubricate them, and and there were a few modifications you could make <laughs> if you were so inclined. And, and yeah, I, I, well, I played Rock'em Sock'em Robots with my sister a lot, Yeah, and I only modified one side, so is that... <laughs> Did she ever win? No. You didn't let her win occasionally, just let you come back no. to play more? The beautiful part was, well, I would let her switch colors, so I don't call it a win when I knew... That you were going to lose? Well, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was color-specific because <laughs> blue was my favorite color, so the blue robot was always a little extra engineered, and the red robots had maybe popped up a little easier than the blue one did. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I just so she never figured out that it was color specific until now. Well, yeah, if she's now, she'll know. Yeah, if she's she'll probably listening, get the yeah. message just saying. Yeah, but remind me never to play Monopoly against you. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Because I'm sure I, I you figured out stuff and you've cheated yeah, there too. I don't cheat at I've, you. Don't cheat at Monopoly. I, I'm sure you have figured out a way. Of no, course, of course, of course you do. You you could have your own printed money. I, I did figure like out a stash someplace that just true. keeps showing up. You know, I, I did figure out uh, electronic battleship though. There's a way to hack that. There's 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 a a good method. I, yes. I had figured out a method that I almost always won with that as well. It's kind that, of like the pattern on Miss Pac-Man. That was actually one of my favorite games was Battleship. Yeah, before the electronic. Right. Was, yeah. But you go, go back and think of the, the analog version of... Yeah, of BattleBots. BattleBots. Rock'em Sock'em. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It'd be funny if they made a BattleBot that was Rock'em Sock'em. Oh, you, how cool you, would that you, be? You should submit your blue one. Yes, the upgraded blue one. Just I don't have that game anymore. I wish I did. 
I think it would be fun, actually. They, they did have a slot machine that came out, a robot slot machine. Really? Yeah, it lasted eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was... When it got destroyed, did a bunch of coins come out? Oh, my goodness. It was, like, everywhere. This this slot machine, like, self-destructed. I forget which one it was, but it had, like, the saw blade on the front of it. It cut through that... <laughs> it wasn't even a chance. It was so funny. Oh. oh, my goodness. Over in eight seconds. Yeah, it was eight just... Eight seconds. Yeah. Eight-second ride. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. The Tech Ranch. If you own a bit of Tech Ranch, let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So, you know, we talk a lot about autonomous vehicles on this show. I have been in 40-some myself. You've been in flying cars. I've been in a couple flying cars. So it's been, uh, I, I guess, for a little while, at least here, where we live in North Dakota. Um, I was kind of the poster child for autonomous vehicles for well, a while. I, actually, you know. that's how you and I met. Yeah, originally that's right. Because that's right. you were working on uh, uh, a process to try to get an autonomous corridor yeah. through North Dakota for transportation, for right. shipping. And uh, that's how I met. I came and broadcast a radio show from that. And you and I kind of like, Hey, this guy kind of—he's a little innovative. He's a little off, like I am. <laughs> We've been friends ever that's since. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny how that works. Yeah, it's it? weird how that works. But you know, and it's funny you bring that whole story up, Steve, because I think that the one thing that we don't talk a lot about is the impact that autonomous vehicles will have on shipping. Oh yes, and probably you know we talk a lot about. And, and the reason this is important, I don't know if you know, if you've seen the the report, like 40, 45,000 people died on our roads last year, mm-hmm. right? When did that go up so much? I, I haven't been following the stat for a while. It was about 35,000, like three or four years ago. I thought during COVID that driving went down, well, and then, but obviously the safety part of it did not. Right, and, and part of that is people got out of practice for two years not driving. That's and then population increase, and then you've got a lot but, of younger people on the roadways. But there are but there are less people commuting to work now. Right. All this stuff. So the actual miles being driven right now is actually less than it has been in a long time. But our deaths on highways has been going just up. Out of practice, it, it has to be that. I, I I just don't understand. But but anyway, so I always talk about you know how how many lives autonomous vehicles will save. And the estimate is that we'll save about 90%. Driving over here today, somebody, I'm, I'm parked at the light uh, on the expressway, and somebody, I watched them slam on their brakes, not to rear-end me. And I was like, all right, can I get out? What's, what's he out here? Because I was looking at, okay, I'm going to get hit. Do you so. do that when you're stopped at a stoplight? I don't even look, I I don't, do. I don't I, even look I, in front I leave anymore. extra room. I, I do, too. Yeah, because I, I want to be able to go... Okay, can I go left or right if somebody's not paying attention? And you're looking in your rearview mirror, yeah. making sure that, that they're not looking down at their phone. Right. This is what you're, wait, or and I mean, literally that's what you're. they are. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I really don't not pay attention to it until at least two or three cars are parked behind me. Right, right. But if you're the only one there, so yeah, and, and a lot of times I'll just, I'll be ready to take my foot off the brake. Because if I'm going to get slammed, the last thing I want to do is, you know, and, and again, I leave lots of extra room. 
because if I'm going to get hit, I can push forward a little bit and then maybe hit the brake after that. I don't know. But okay, so I want to anyway, I, I want to talk yeah. about the transportation and yeah. the logistics side of stuff yeah. because my family container company, tra- uh, the heck with the safety company. stuff and what we do. Well, no, yeah. there's safety I'm to that too. Kidding. We can come back to that. But um, you talk about transportation and autonomous corridors and a, think of a railroad. Mm-hmm. Railroads have been pretty much the pinnacle of logistics for moving a large amount of goods. And and certainly the most economical. And the most economical because when they switched over to the electromotives instead of straight diesel locomotives, then that was game changing. Um, That hit that actually technology goes back to the 40s. Um, But think of that as an autonomous corridor. So now you're looking at this large scale transportation and a lot of goods. Now, what helped precipitate that is look at all the goods that are coming into this country and transported by container. Right. Containers are easy to stack, and you see container trains along the railroad tracks all the time. All the time. It's become full one of goods. Of probably yep. the number one thing that's moved now is containers. Right. Would be my guess. Yep. And so you've got containers, which is easily stackable, transportable, um, The one thing the railroads will tell you is they're good from point A to point B, but it's that first mile and last mile that they're not part of that transportation mode. It's challenging for them. Now layer in autonomous vehicles and that level of transportation. You pull a container off a a shipping car uh, off a flatbed and drop it onto an autonomous vehicle, which runs it to... That warehouse, because say it's full of couches or furniture or or clothing goods, uh, and you run it to that warehouse where it gets emptied and sorted and then shipped out beyond that. But autonomous vehicles, very simple way, because now you're looking at that larger scale for that first or last mile when it comes to railroads. Well, and and I think the you you kind of hit on a big point here, and I think this is how we're going to see goods starting to get moved is these areas where there's repetition. So there's a shipping yard where these containers go and there's this furniture warehouse over here where they get 50 or a hundred of them a day. I'm just using that as an example. Well, and in, big, anything, and in right? big cities, a lot of that industrial area where those warehouses are, yep. are around rail hubs or right. ports. Right. And there, a lot of it is actually, uh, private infrastructure that's in right. these things too, so it makes this even easier. Private roads, right, private, right. Yes. So all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing autonomous vehicles just start moving these things around. But there will be a time in the very near future, and uh, um, I know in between breaks here, we were talking about your your story with sugar beets, which you know we can't tell <laughs> on the air, but uh, uh, but it's a great story by the way. And ask Steve sometime to tell you this story; it's fantastic. Uh, but, but sugar beets and, you know, from the farm. Which growing up in the Red River Valley of North Dakota, sugar beets are a big food commodity. Right, right. exactly. Thanks for, thanks for that. And yeah, and sugar beets, of course, we get a lot of sugar from them. But, uh, but they'll, they'll harvest them and they stack these sugar beets in huge piles, right? Mm-hmm. And then the trucks come along. Heated piles, actually. What do you mean by heated piles? Well, they've got airflow through them to keep them from getting too frozen. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so is, 
is there a time frame then that they need to get these things off the field, or will they just continue to heat? Well, they need to get out of the field, and then you get them stacked up. So that's kind of the storage because you're also counting on it being cold. Cold climate is part of that process. But you'll have you know what a couple hundred loads, maybe even more than that, from one field to. Oh, yeah. The sugar processing plant, right? Drove a lot of those trucks back in the college and days, this high is, school this days. This is what I'm getting at here, right? That is a, a, a scenario where you have this truck that's, you know, over and over and over again, driving the exact same route hundreds and hundreds of yep. times. This is the perfect example uh, and the perfect case study for autonomous trucks because it's just the same thing over and over. You can, you can kind of super map the road. So that it knows what's, you know, the route that it's supposed to go on. It knows all the landmarks, whether it's stop signs or farms or well, whatever. Well, because of the you know? weather conditions, so Sugar Bee Country in the Red River Valley, uh, because of the weather conditions, that's also a very dangerous time to be on the roadways because of mud. Okay. Mud. And mud is slippery on the roadway. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for accidents. If you can mitigate some of that, yeah. then great. The only question I've got is, how do you get that fully loaded beat truck that might be a little overload out of a muddy field with an autonomous vehicle instead of a person driving it? I do not know the answer to that. There's, there's an autonomous tow truck that's that that's in front of it that pulls it out, I guess. Well, in a lot know. of cases, there will be a farmer that has a puller system because there's actually a system for pulling trucks out of fields, and they've got a big four-wheel drive tractor, and they'll hook on if it's muddy and drag you out of the field so that that's you can get to the roadway. But think about that. If you're dragging a truck out of a field that's heavy and sinking in the mud, where does that mud go? Yeah, on Onto the, road. the roadways. Yeah. Very dangerous. The Tech Ranch. Super tall. Minute of the Tech Ranch as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, visit thetechranch.com. So, autonomous vehicles in particular, you know, one of the things I like about them, Steve, is that because we're making this shift right now, a lot of these companies are really okay with looking at how to fuel them as well. So it's not just traditional gasoline, traditional uh, diesel, or I guess a person could even say traditional electric. But there is a lot of push, of course, to move everything to electric vehicles. And why is that not a good idea with moving sugar beets? Well, with a lot of things, you're looking at constraints by load weight. So I guess the better question is, are we looking at autonomous corridors or just autonomous vehicles? Because you've got the small shipping packages like an Amazon and and other delivery services that want to go to an autonomous vehicle um, or <laughs> Domino's Pizza. They they want to go to an adult, right. autonomous delivery right. system. But 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 that's on a smaller scale. And, now and that, if we're so that talking, works okay there. Right. Yeah. If we're talking massive loads, hundred and five thousand pound loads that is a, a semi. Can't even imagine going, what the battery weight would be for something. Oh my like gosh! That. And, yeah. and how long would that battery charge last? Right. So. Now I think the question comes back to, are we looking at autonomous corridors at that point? Because like like I mentioned, the corridor with the railroad, that, that's a corridor. Right. Think of that as in terms of a cor- uh, corridor. Would roadways be corridors because of the fueling constraints for those large loads? If we're using EVs. If we're using EVs. Right. So then, then you could, if you... Um, you know, you made this point on the break here again. The breaks are always the best part I know, of the show. It's the best. Yeah, yeah. We need to, we need to 
Think Record about that. Lacey, Lacey, make a note of that, that we need to start. Uh, Recording she, breaks. She, she literally See, grabs Marlo, a pen Marlo and actually writing. brings his people with him. <laughs> he has people for his people that are with him. Talk to the, those yes. people. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so a person could actually, if, if it's something that's being utilized over and over and over again, right? Um, you know, one of the things you talked about is, is it possible to do, like, wireless charging? Yeah, you know, like a charging mat, in, but in, in a, a roadway. roadway. Yeah, we said that in stereo again. We did. We didn't sing this time. So though, if it's so in it stereo good. and then we just did it in stereo, <laughs> is it in stereo squared? Yes, because... Okay, so that's HD stereo. So, and and, and if somebody's really fortunate <laughs> and had their windows down while they were listening to us, which is possible, and the people next to them had their windows down listening to us at the same time, and both of those were in stereo? So it's stereo, 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 stereo. That's stereo cubed. Wow. Who knew? It's like looking at an infinite image. <laughs> All right. Again, we digress. Yeah. But that would be, and I would think that that would be a corridor. So you're going right. to build a new road right. that is going to be designated for that charging system because that infrastructure would be expensive. So you wouldn't want to just have a regular road that wears out from normal traffic. You would want it specific for that autonomous corridor so like a, like a, sh- a shipyard like you were talking about that maybe has a mile or two that they need to move shipping containers same right. place all the time back and forth these vehicles are running you could actually create this autonomous vehicle that runs back and forth that is literally getting fueled wirelessly right and and, and that would be pretty cool and, and they'll they'll have little vehicles that run autonomously railroads are are famous for this in large rail yards uh, they don't have an engineer sitting on that locomotive anymore. It's an electric motive that is moving this car to this car and marrying up those loads. Right. Uh, that technology within a shipping yard is already there because of uh, the paint scheme, not from a charging perspective, but they'll have vehicles that are running autonomously within that yard because they're following the tracks that have been put down on the pavement. You could actually make the, on a much smaller vehicle scale, but with many of them, are the new Amazon warehouses. Have you seen these things? They're huge. Have you seen how I would they... love to go through a tour of one. They're, they're, the technology is amazing. So they have all the... So you order something from Amazon, and you order like three or four things, right? There's a, like the shipping ticket, and then it assigns you like a... A holding area, like Steve's order is holding area one, two, three, four. Okay, so the robot then goes and starts picking your order, and it's on a on this massive floor, and there are all these little tiny, like a um, you know, where they can drop these pieces off that you ordered. So if you ordered a water cup and a, a set of headphones and whatever else, it's going and grabbing these, and there's like. I don't know how many, 100, 200, 400, 1,000, 2,000 of these little robots running all over the place. And they're kind of cool because they look like these little square boxes from Star Wars, it's, those little robots that used to run around exact, the Death Star. And I wonder if that's how they got their inspiration for this because it's really interesting to see all these things. that And they have uh, uh, collision uh, prevention technology built into them. So if you're watching the floor, it looks like two of them are going about ready to run into each other. One will stop and let the other one go by and... It's just it's just fascinating. So, you know, I would I would actually qualify that as autonomous vehicles. These things are working. 
They're moving things around, but it's within a warehouse. Now, you could take that technology and amplify it any way you wanted to. So you could take this to, you know, uh, any type of shipyard, any type of grain facility. So one of the things I was thinking about uh, when I was little, my matchbox. Okay. The little slot car racers. Yes. With the little, you know, the electricity. You apply the electricity on the little trigger handle, and it runs down that slot track, and... I used to have a loop and, blast with those. Things. Yeah, I know, we but that would be the analog version of a digital version of what that warehouse would look like today. Right. I could never stand the track, though. And nobody could. Around the corners. It was rigged. So, and, and you couldn't slow down fast enough either was the problem, so they would always come out of the track. Oh, yes. So, yeah, it might have been rigged. But if that. you're looking at, okay, so we're talking about, that corridor, yep. and because I w- I would see that as the charging mats, or um, yep, maybe it's uh, some power lines, kind of like a trolley car used to be. Or there's been some talk of of that, but you know that that system, as cool as it is, and you see it on but some it's a rail point A too. to point B. Right. It's not a it, it's not that first or last mile at it's that point. It's really inefficient is the problem. Is it? Yeah, crazy inefficient. Well, I mean, I just watch it. I mean, the sparks are flying every time they hit a little little pole or whatever, you so know. So you're losing power. It's fun to watch, but, it, yeah, you're losing power. And the Euro trains that still have this in place, too, I mean, the, the amount of power that they lose is just, it's pretty significant, actually. So, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, having... It's it's not so significant that they're going to replace the stuff. I mean, but if, there's, if somebody came out with a better technology to replace it without having to rebuild the entire train system, then it would probably get switched over. So let's talk so. about some of the better technology. And when you start talking better technology, you're talking better fuel sources. So it does get interesting because when companies are working with um, – you know, autonomous vehicles, they have been experimenting with other fuel sources. So whether it's propane, uh, hydrogen is, of course, talked about all the time. What happened to propane? Because I remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a big push. A lot of vehicles, especially delivery vans and, and freight vehicles, were powered by propane. And propane is pretty clean, right? Yeah, it, so, that, that was part of it. That and it was a easily accessible right, fuel source because... Right. If you think back to the 70s and watching footage of the news when there was gas shortages and people were lined up for miles and miles right. to get their vehicle fueled, propane was a simple alternative for that. And you could run that regular vehicle off of a propane tank. You just had to make some modifications to and not, the carburation system. And not big modifications. No, I think it's pretty easy. a couple hundred bucks. And I see, I see city buses everywhere running propane, everywhere. I mean, when I go to New York or Vegas or whatever – uh, I ultimately will see something that says it's running by propane and or natural gas. Right. I see natural gas too. Um, but it seems to me that Very propane. Very cost effective. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about the propane thing, uh, but maybe it will make a comeback when we're looking for alternative sources for fuel. And especially going back to your sugar beet scenario. <laughs> Where you have to have a you have 50, sugar beet stuck in your head now well, this I'm morning. Just, I'm just thinking about if the load's 105,000 pounds. What kind of how many how many double A batteries do you need to put in this thing you know, to what's make the that weight thing? of that battery? Because <laughs> well, be so if you're expensive. looking at long haul trucking, at, you know, 105,000 pounds standard heavy load, and now you're looking at how much can you actually ship. 
because of the weight increase from the batteries, yep. are you cutting that load in half? And that's the simple math. We'll say half. So half of that weight is battery, battery. now. So you're moving half the right. freight. So you're making twice the trips. Well, that doesn't sound very efficient to me. It doesn't sound very efficient. So I agree. I just don't see how that works. Not to you know go down a rabbit hole here, but did you ever see the SNL skit with Julie Louise Dreyfus with the Mercedes AAA? Yes. That is for if you have never seen this, Google this. It is so hilarious. Go ahead and you know. Do you remember how it went? I don't. It's been a long time. I remember seeing it back yes. in the day. It was hilarious. It's hilarious. So they actually have, uh, you know, they're talking about all the different uh, modifications. You know, zero to sixty, and you know, like ludicrous speed on on a on a Tesla and all this other stuff, and and it's all run by electricity. And they, they open the hood and. <laughs> There's like twenty thousand AAA batteries, <laughs> and and then she, she you know she's talking about how how uh, when one goes low you just simply just replace the one or whatever and then the that screen... does not work because we've got a pepper mill at my house and when one goes bad you can't just replace yeah. the one because yeah. I'll test all the batteries and I'll, okay well if I can extend the li- no it, you got to replace them all and of course there's a screen on the inside that um, as as you're replacing the one. It'll go battery number 432 needs replacement, 444, 46, 495, 1,300. I mean, all these little red plates. And then it, they'll have, you know, the little red ribbon that you use. Like if you got four of them in a, 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 you know, like in the back of a keyboard or something, you need to replace four of them. So they got the little ribbon that you pull on to get the batteries out. So the gas tank part of it, if you're to open up the gas tank, that's where the red ribbon is at. So you yank this thing, <laughs> and all 4,000 batteries come out at one time, and it just fills up around yeah. the car. Oh, it was it's so funny. It's Gosh, so funny. I haven't seen that forever. It's it's a great, I'll have to go back and watch that. Go watch it was it. hilarious. It's hilarious. I, I, I hilarious. love that skit. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned Ludicrous Speed. Can you name the movie that's from? I have no idea. Airplane. The space shuttle one. Oh, ludicrous speed. That's correct. So, so Elon Musk borrowed that to put it. Yeah, in the Tesla. Uh, it was in another movie too. Uh, I cannot remember what movie. I'll, I'll figure space that out. Spaceballs. Yes, it was Spaceballs. Marlo, you got a movie reference. I can't believe this, actually. But yes, it was Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yeah. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> I can. See. Yeah, there was a reference to ludicrous speed in the airplane, and yeah, then Spaceballs yeah, yeah. was. was yeah, ludicrous speed. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else on autonomous vehicles? Okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, different fuel sources. Yeah, and what else is out there? So, propane, natural gas, electric, hydrogen is talked about, but how close are we to hydrogen? One of the things that kind of got closer than you can imagine. Really? Oh, we'll have to find out about. There's actually there's actually a couple cars that are coming out with hydrogen fuel cells, so there you go. Does it look like a flux capacitor? Kind of, and uh, and acts the same way too. There's a warning on the car that says you can't you you should not go over eighty eight miles an hour. I guess they don't say that you can't. You just shouldn't. (laughs) You're kidding, right? Yes, of course I am. I I had to check. I never know with you, Um, but hydrogen. Closer than we think. Yeah. What happened to CNG and LNG? Because that seemed to have gotten skipped over. 
Uh, here in North Dakota, they did a bunch of testing. Uh, Freightliner uh, did a bunch of testing with CNG and LNG vehicles uh, uh, with the oil boom. And uh, then it just went away. It, it The results were amazing. The vehicle engines were clean. They, they looked that's, like they were brand new that's what I was say. because there was no wear and tear right, on them. Right. Um, but it's like they just vanished. Is it because there started to be some pickup for hybrid and that which also kind of went away? Um, autos, I think uh, Toyota's kind of the only one that's really out there with a hybrid hybrid. Um, but you, you, you don't hear about the technology did anymore. Did you see the commercial for the new Prius? No, I did not. We're fast now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it is so clever. This little Prius is zipping around everywhere. And because everybody knows that they just aren't really a fast were, car. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're fast. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so good. So, anyway, yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, let's do a little investigation and come back to that next week. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. I, because some of these fuel sources just vanished. Yeah, they did. The Tech Ranch. Super talk. Us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. Augmented reality. Oh, so now we're talking glasses. It's so cool. <laughs> really? <laughs> all right, first of all, before we get into yeah. that, uh, wh- what's the difference? There's a bunch of different glasses out there. There's the VR glasses. There's the AR glasses. There's... Glass half full, glass half empty, explain them all because there's a bunch of different platforms for the technology. So let's start with virtual reality first. So virtual reality is encompassing, right? So you put the goggles on and then the world transforms around you, the metaverse, so to speak. So you can step into your own metaverse uh, or a shared metaverse, your avatar, is you in this metaverse and you can interact. You can, if you want to watch Netflix on, you know, a VR, you could do that. Um, but it is immersive. That's probably the best word to describe virtual reality. And of so course, the dinosaur from Jurassic Park actually chases you. Yes. I've actually had that experience. You got chased by a, I was at the, was Ocul- it a raptor. I was at the Oculus booth at CES and they, they had a media demonstration. And I went in there, put the, these uh, the Oculus, you know, on, and oh my goodness! And and people could see if there's more than one set of glasses, are they Occupy? <laughs> I o- had to ask. O- Oculi, it's Oculus. <laughs> okay, Oculus. Yeah, but Oculi is funny. So anyway, they had a bunch of monitors up, so people could see what I was seeing on the monitors, and but they could see what I was re- how I was reacting to this, right? And it was a, a room that you could move around in and you'd walk around because they were wireless. And I was in this dinosaur thing and then I turn around and here is this T-Rex going just do it, about ready to chomp on me. And was her name Alice? And she, she, <laughs> Land of the funny. Lost. Come on. You're too funny. Oh, I thought you were talking about my wife or something. <laughs> no, Land of the Lost. But. You know, the reference is uncanny. <laughs> Alice, please turn the radio down forgive right him. now. Yeah, please well, he knows not me. what he does. It was just supposed to be a joke. Anyway, the uh, um, but you can see me actually, if you watch the replay, you can see me scrouching down a little bit like I'm about ready to get hit. And then as I turn around to walk away from this thing, 
I realize I'm on the edge of a cliff. Oh. So I step, and I, and you can see me like, oh, my goodness. And I actually step back because I thought I was actually going to walk off the side of this cliff. It's kind of weird, uh, but but very cool, and that's that's what's really cool about the uh, virtual reality experience. Okay, that's the VR. VR, VR. So what we're talking about now is AR, augmented reality. And for most people, augmented reality is probably using your smart device right now, meaning that you put your phone up and uh, you see the screen looking at something, and then... Or like a code or something like that. Well, kind of like, like I do one, when I can't read a menu at a restaurant and I'll like make that. it bigger. I'm like kind of like the camera and go, That's, oh, yeah, I can make this bigger well, with you, the light and everything. You know what, though? That kind of is augmented reality. Okay. Because you're actually, you're actually magnifying um, in, a, in the most basic way, but you're magnifying that menu a little bit. Through so technology. You're augmenting what you're using. So I love that example, actually. But you take that a little bit further and uh, I forget the one game uh, starts with a P. Um, oh my goodness, that was a big craze a couple of years ago, and people still play it all the time. I'll think of it in a second. And uh, you know, you, you'll put the phone up, and and all of a sudden you'll see this, you know, egg or whatever, and you collect them while you're out and about, and and you get points. That's a kind of augmented reality. Or you get uh, a wine bottle, and then you hold your your phone up to that, and then the wine bottle label comes alive and tells oh, you the story. You. Yeah, it talks I've seen to you. that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So you see, you're seeing more and more of those type of things, augmented reality. Now you take it a little bit further, and now you have this. In you're having this uh, technology being infused into glasses. So the first one was Google Glass, and that was a few years ago. And that it, didn't do well. Didn't do well. I, I remember, was it before its time, or was the technology just not there it's yet? It's funny. I actually did a post on Twitter, I don't know, four or five years ago, and uh, I actually posted, is, is Google Glass dead? And this is the only time in my history of technology, well, online anyway, I guess I'd get, I did get invited to Google a couple times. But, but, uh, um, as but, an intern? No, not okay, as an intern. But that's a movie reference <laughs> as well. That's a good movie, by the way. It was. Yeah. And uh, um, this only time I ever got a response on social media from Google that, that actually said, no, we're just revamping our glasses. So they, really? they actually came and said, no, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not dead. Uh, but there's a couple others that have come out now. Because in actuality, you were hoping to get a response that, no, it's not dead. They're still out there because you had a whole drawer of them to sell yeah, online, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. That's what I that's think. exactly right. Yeah, I thought that. But you put the glasses on, and then what you like what you're seeing on the screen now becomes in your eyewear. So an example would be I'm walking down the street, and Facebook or whatever or Meta knows that that Steve Bakken is in is in this restaurant, and I'm walking by. It'll actually show that in my glasses that Steve is in this restaurant. So if I wanted to go in and visit with you, oh, and at the same time, coffee is two dollars and ninety nine cents today as I go by this. So it's showing up in your glasses, your eyewear. Steve's on his third rack right. of ribs. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I had ribs last night too. They were delicious. did you really? Oh. I got to take you to my rib place in Vegas. Really. You should come down sometime with me. I, I will. I will. Because this rib place is just absolutely amazing for twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. And yeah, I can't even describe it. I, you know, we go down rabbit holes all the time. But the huge platter, full rack of ribs, 
couple pieces of corn on the cob, coleslaw, baked beans, bread. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Actual ribs, not augmented reality ribs. The augmented reality would not help the situation because they're that good. The and pig and start talking, and they look they look amazing. <laughs> so yeah, not not going to help. Well, I actually, I'm um, a beef rib guy. I, yeah, I, I love beef ribs. That's what these are. Is beef oh, ribs, actually. So oh yeah, they're amazing. All right, when are we going? Tomorrow. Twenty bucks. I, I know. Mean, I'm more. I'm just hungry thinking about it right now. Yeah, Legion's cheap. Why yeah, not, you yeah know? let's just go. So yeah, so that's augmented reality, and but there's a lot of uses here, you know. So you put the glasses on. You're working on your car, and you have no clue what to do, right? Oh, I suppose. You, you could actually, um, and I'm sure this will be a bigger and bigger deal all the time, you'll put the glasses on, and it'll show you next steps, right? Well, and think about it plugging into the computer, because everything's a computer now, so you plug in uh, some sort of an interface that speaks with the glasses that runs the diagnostic on the car. You're wearing the glasses. You have the ability to repair the vehicle if it's a simple fix yeah. yourself yeah. because the computer system is going to diagnose what's wrong with it. It's going to tell the glasses. The glasses are going to put up the video of how you fix that so that you can walk through that process. Boom, done. I wouldn't even say it's a video as more of just or, something that you see yeah. that's, you know, like an arrow that's pointing here with uh, or step by step. Yep, and I then, like it. And then you turn it, you know, with, with this size wrench. Unless it's trying to put a shelf together from Ikea. But that could fix that, too. It could fix that. Ikea could come out with instructions for augmented rea- with augmented reality so for in. that. That would be amazing, actually. Have you, I, had, their, have you had their meatballs? Uh, yes. <laughs> I love their head and their jam. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't get down there for meatballs this time. By the way, it was my wife's birthday this week, and it was a monumental Happy birthday, birthday. Wendy. And uh, her sister had sent her a package of all this thing for her age, including blinker fluid. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Welcome to April 22nd, 2023 in the National Day Calendar. Today we celebrate Mother Earth and an all-American treat. Your heart performs 365 days a year without missing a beat. So isn't it fair to give back to the hardest working organ in your body? Million Hearts is an organization that's dedicated to preventing 1 million cases of heart disease and stroke in the next five years. Visit their website, millionhearts.hhs.gov, to find out how to take care of your ticker. That's millionhearts.hhs.gov. Earth Day was established in 1969 at a UNESCO conference in San Francisco, California. 
Today, folks around the globe participate in festivals and outdoor activities, but I called a friend to see how she celebrates Mother Earth. Jessica Atcherson, a.k.a. Real Raw Mama, is a health and wellness guru. She reminded me that nothing supports our immune system like touching the soles of our feet to the ground. Sunshine on your face and feet in the dirt will do wonders for your nervous system. For more great tips on how to celebrate Mother Earth every day, visit Jessica's Instagram, at Real Raw Mama. That's at Real Raw Mama, spelled M-O-M-M-A. Lots of innovations have come about during wartime. Jet engines, duct tape, digital cameras, even candy. Yay! During the early days of the U.S. Civil War, William Shraft of Boston was working on creating a new type of sweet. He wanted to create something chewy that could be easily shipped and stored. Jellied candies such as Turkish Delights have been popular for centuries, but it was sticky and didn't travel well. Then he got the idea to add a hard coating, similar to the one used on Marcona almonds. And voila, the jelly bean was born. This new candy soon became a popular treat to send to Union soldiers. And civilians were pretty excited about them too. On National Jelly Bean Day, enjoy a handful of these colorful all-American sweets. I love jelly beans. What kind? Tangerine. Licorice for me. But tangerine, I think, is actually my favorite, too. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I don't... There's so many that I... KLXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. Legal battles over the abortion pill, Mifepristone, not over yet, even after the Supreme Court Friday passed on taking up a lower court ruling that would ban or limit access to the FDA-approved drug. ABC's Elizabeth Schulze has more. In a decision 7-2, to two, the court put a pause on rulings from lower courts that would have severely restricted access to Mifepristone. Conservative Justices Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas dissented, indicating that they would have let those restrictions go into effect. Arguments will be heard in the lower court in May. In Sudan, more than 400 people have died from the intense fighting across the country between government forces and paramilitary groups. The U.S. now working to make a ceasefire stick to help evacuate and embassy workers, and diplomats from the capital. Thomas Okidi is the North Darfur State Area Manager of Norwegian Refugee Council. It's based in Al-Fashir, and he says many on his team have been unable to provide aid to communities, and many people are trapped in homes. There is no electricity in the city, and right now it is 41 degrees centigrade in this summer. There is no water in households. Food is fast running out in the city because all the supply lines for the food. The Sudanese government says it's working to help coordinate flights to help evacuate Americans, French and British embassy workers. After tornadoes ripped through parts of Oklahoma, residents still trying to clean up. Those storms hitting parts of the Midwest and today pushing toward the East Coast. ABC Samara Theodore has details. From areas like low country into the Carolinas, up into the mid-Atlantic, the threat for severe thunderstorms. And then you head farther north into New England and the northeast. Heavy rain could lead to flash flooding, not only tonight, but into tomorrow as well. The comedian best known for his purple-haired and sharp-witted persona, Dame Edna, has died. Australian Barry Humphreys was 89. This is ABC News. Super Talk 1270. Bismarck Area Weather. 
I'm meteorologist Megan Hatton. More clouds than sunshine, a cool and breezy day overall, the high near 40 this afternoon, north wind 10 to 15. Periods of cloud cover tonight, the low around 20. For Sunday, a mix of sunshine and clouds, the high near 45. Sunny Monday, high 49. Looking for a great place to live, stay, shop, and play? It's easy to get to Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Right now, it's 42. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. News, talk, and sports for Bismarck Mandan. Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. So, there's other things with augmented reality and virtual reality that are just on the cusp of making what we think is kind of a well uh just a fun toy beyond unloading your drawer full of google glass i I, right Right. i I would say that you know just like 3d printers when they first kind of came out available to the general public, so to speak, at a price point that we could just all buy them. Right, because that's we, the part with technology is it's, okay, it's really cool, it's cutting edge, yep. it's cost prohibitive. Right. And then once it gets integrated, then, oh, hey, the price I, came down. Like I can make tchotchkes now. Yes. I can, I can make vases and I can do all this other stuff. Well, now, now we're building houses with them. 3D printers you are know, amazing. Which we're, we'll talk about some other time. But this is kind of where AR and VR are just getting to the point where now they're building houses. And this is incredible, absolutely incredible. Are you familiar with haptic? Right, haptic technology. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I was going. I, I was like, okay, I've heard the term, but that is very closely relatable to VR and AR. Right. The haptic's been around, the VR, the AR. It, it's kind of... But kind of in the game space. Right. Right. But when you... Are we at a point where... There's some blending of technologies that are going to augment technologies. Are, are we to that it's, point now? It's always that's always happening. We're always blending things to make things better. Your your smart device is a, probably one of the best worldly examples of that. I mean, it was a telephone at one time. For goodness sakes, you mean I could still make calls with it? I hear it's only about eight percent of the time now that we actually use the device for making phone calls. Wow. I wonder if they're ever going to change the name from like a cell phone. You know, I know I refer to it as smart device, but most people still call it a cell phone. I may change the name from cell phone to flip phone. <laughs> or get, sa- get or, rid of all the or Sally because well, it will become your new. It'll be your new personal assistant. You know, but, but you know, uh, discussion for a later time on on deconnecting. 
you know, getting away from that connectivity, yep, yep. That, that's another discussion at a different point. But uh, we're still trying to get connected right now. So, But haptics, you know, so, you know, you put on these, you put on gloves or, or clothing, okay, and then you can reach out in the air, for example, and you can feel like when you're touching something like a wall or a button or something, even though in, in here, what you're looking at in, in your goggles and your augmented reality is basically just a virtual representation of that go button. Right, and right. they've been working a lot of that space uh, with amputees and uh, people with spinal cord right, injuries right. Uh, so that you can – part of the thought is if you can experience walking, it's easier to walk. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. But you think, think about a, a nuclear reactor. Okay. You and I are not going to go in to the reactor, right? You can't pay me enough for that. I don't care how much, how many suits are going to put on you, right? You Do know, I you... look like Homer Simpson? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm not taking my home, work home with me either. But imagine a robot going in there and you're controlling the robot and you, when you move your arm, the robot moves its arm. When you push the green button, the robot pushes the green button, right? This is what I find extremely exciting. Here. You mean like Pacific Rim? <laughs> right? Go watch the movie, everybody. But, but, but that's what they're yes, doing they that are doing within this. that robot, yes, actually, yes. in the movie. But that's... This is, what's, this is what's happening now, you know? So, I mean, this this goes to a lot of things. I mean, I would imagine that robots well we all know this i mean you know whoever's got the biggest um fleet of robots or whatever you're going to call them are are uh, that's it's our next military like the clone wars in star yes, wars that's correct and and uh somebody's going to have to be running those and probably through some type of augmented reality you know they'll, they'll I mean, it, it could be autonomous as well um, like guardians of the galaxy when the gold people are trying to attack with all those little drone things, and they're all running the little drone things, and when they get destroyed, they're not destroying the person; they're destroying that augmented reality. So, you, so you work and watch movies. This yeah, is all you do. <laughs> I cannot I like movies. I cannot keep up with your movie references. What? But think of the the movies. Oh my goodness! It, movies are technology. There's a movie. And then down the road, there's the technology that came from that movie. That's how that works. Have you been watching Star Trek this year, Picard? No, I haven't yet. Yeah, you need, you I need, need to watch I need it. To. So I'm uh, um, not not uh, another rabbit hole here, but uh, um, I've heard that, you know, so the first episode of this year. We're beyond rabbit holes. We are. It's more like one big ant farm. I hope everybody that, that's listening today has ADHD as well because this is like who us. we are. Um, so... Yeah, I guess so. so. The first episode was called "The Next Generation." You know, this final episode of Picard is called "The Last Generation," not "Geriatric Generation." No, although that would be it maybe would be fitting. But it's kind of fun how they've woven or woven the story so that the whole crew is back together. I'm not giving out any any eggs here you need to watch this show if so, you're a star trek fan so I, i'm but a anyway. little 
But I, the, the one thing with the Star Trek is it's like reinvent, 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 reinvent. Now they're putting an end on it. So, well, just just with this crew, with this crew, yeah. The reason I'm bringing this up, though, is your 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 movie analogies with all the the inventions and stuff. I think about you know what we've seen in Picard this year. What will be real in ten or twenty years? Yeah, that's the thing. That I mean, there's there's been so so many. In Still that. waiting for the transporter. And I think I'm going to this is this is going to be my thing because I'm going to rewatch the series uh, after I've watched the final episode tonight. Now finally, Marlowe um, movie night. All yeah, right. it is. Big, big bowl of buttered popcorn is waiting for me tonight. Nice. Just saying. I'm going to rewatch the ninth episode so I can get myself all geared up for the final one. I mean, I've watched the ninth one already, but anyway. Are the Borg in it? I'm not telling you. Okay. But yes. <laughs> the board have to be in it. They have it's like, to. It's like everybody's in yeah. this thing. It's just crazy. They're like the originals, not having Klingons. Come That's on. right. That's right. So I'm going to rewatch the entire thing, and I'm going to jot down the innovations that come up that they've come up with in there because there's so many. It's just uh, I was just thinking about this the other day about how many different innovations they have in this thing. And how many of these things are going to come? I'm, I'm going to make a prediction from P- Picard now. All right. So 10 years from now when we're, we're doing this. We're looking forward to what this list looks yeah. like down the road. Yeah. I haven't posted last week's list yet, by the way. Too, oh. So I need to get that done. Well, get on that. What were what was, the, what was the list again? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> what you was, have people for that. Well, come on. I forget what the list was supposed to. What did we talk about last week? I don't remember. That was last week. It was like 20, a list of 20. And I know I, I can't lean on you for that because you were at NAB and... The gig economy. Yes. The 20 best gig jobs. That's what it was. So we need to get that done. So I apologize. There. Well, we went through the whole list. I've, I've been, I've been partying. Some. Well, okay. <laughs> I didn't go there to party, but you know, it just happened. It, it just, happened. it just happened. I, I did go through the, uh, Elon Musk tunnels again, by the way. Did you? So busy too. A lot of people were using them this time. And there are rumors now that it's going to run out to the airport. So now you'll be able to take the tunnel underneath the city all the way over to, like, Resort World or the convention center or whatever. That'll be really cool. Will that work fast. like Allegiant? You don't get an assigned seat. You just <laughs> you just pop down there. Show up. and Yeah. That's how, it's, that's how it works now with uh, with the tunnels. You just right. show up. But anyway, yeah. So back, back to haptic yes, technology. Yes. Um, so how does that work with, with the VR and the AR and, because I, I kind of look at it, maybe I'm going down the wrong road. I look at it, a blending of technologies. I don't look at them as integrated technologies. It's kind of a, here's this one, here's the haptic, here's the AR, here's the VR. And then when they're combined, then you get some really cool stuff. Yeah. It's, it, it's always, um, you know, technology building on top of itself, right? I mean, so that's it. And that's exactly right. And, and stackable. Who knows what else is going to come about because of VR and AR and what they're going to stack into that as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see. There's no doubt about it. But, but I think haptics are, you know, really, they really make it lifelike. I guess that's probably the best way to say it, especially if you're gaming, you know, and, and you're coming across a wall and you put your hand out and you feel that wall. Even though you're in a virtual world, that just seems incredible to me. You know, well, one of the big applications I, I can see is with 
medicine. And, yeah. and robotic medicine is is cutting edge technology right now because you can get into such a small okay, I'm gonna go old school, fantastic voyage. Yes. Granted we can't shrink things yet, right. but 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 you can shrink the equipment. Right. So, so you can produce the equipment already small. You can't shrink it after it's so, big. But you could you could have a hand that's like a tenth of the size or a hundredth of the size, right, to make these microscopic type of incisions and repairs in the human body, but you have a doctor controlling it with their hand. Right. So you could say, I want to, you know, and then you, my best case scenario Fantastic would be this. voyage. I'm not that far off. No. Another movie reference. So you, you magnify it. So let's say it's 100 times smaller, Right. Then you magnify it to a hundred times of its size so that the doctor looking at the screen feels like they're just moving their hand around just like it would be in real life. This is what you do, but you're working at the microscopic scale then. Right, because this is what's possible. a lot of medicine's getting into the cellular level. Well, and just, just, you know, I had somebody had their gallbladder out here, uh, not too long ago, uh, a friend of mine, and I'm just like, you know, it's not like the old thing where they cut your gut open and, Take out your gallbladder. There's like five small incisions that are covered with little, little robotics, yeah, with little band aids. That's pretty cool. He had, he had his gallbladder out, and the next day he's all walking around already. You know, think about like, one of the biggest applications. Could you imagine if Winnie the Pooh would have had that? He wouldn't have got his hand stuck in the <laughs> in the honey jar or his head. <laughs> he wouldn't have to rub the bees at all. The Tech Ranch. Get in with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. Bouncy, 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 bouncy. Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> but the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Who <laughs> will in- never get his head stuck in a honey jar again? Because of haptic technology. He's going to be running his own robot. Yes, he'll be. Somebody, Who's going to be smart? Yeah, getting the honey for him. I, I'm guessing Christopher Robin actually went on to engineering school and, <laughs> and kind of helped Pooh Bear out, but because that's the only way Pooh Bear would be smart. But yeah, it, it, it's got its uses. You just rewritten the whole Winnie the Pooh storyline. Entirely different series. I can I can hear this story. The next next told. generation of Pooh Bear. Told to children a hundred years ago or from now. Originally, the story was brought by, you know, right on, brought out and now revised by Steve Bakken. Yes. That's too funny. Although Pooh wouldn't get into the situations that Pooh got into. So, well, I'm going to coin, there's the storyline. I'm going to coin a new phrase then. Uh oh. Yeah. You were talking about all the blending of technologies and whatever. Right. What does this all do? Well, it's the fixing of things. Yeah. The fixing of things. Yeah, we can fix things. The head getting stuck in the honey jar. We can fix or, the uh, the artery and you yeah, know, and that, or the you know, gallbladder. Yeah, surgery or fix my golf swing. Or now that's <laughs> technology only goes so far. <laughs> that's never gonna happen. But you know, we talked about fixing your vehicle. Right, right. So you know, we're blending all this stuff, and the other thing that that kind of falls into that is the internet of things the way that all this stuff is connected right none of this works if it's not connected whether you like it or not and i know last week we talked about light bulbs and all that good stuff but in order for the robot to work if you're 
wearing your augmented glasses or whatever, and you have your haptics on or whatever, you know, all this stuff has to be connected. It's all part of the Internet of Things. You know, if you're... Um, Hmm. I'm trying to think about what. Okay, would be all I can example. think of right now is you when you have your haptics on. I'm like, I'm, but uh, like later hosen or later hosen. <laughs> Don't ask me why that popped into my head, but I'm now I'm thinking later hosen. Um, so when you're looking at all these things, the Internet of Things, I yeah. find that rather interesting because you and I were having this conversation last week, and then I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn for for work for one of my jobs, and and. I was fascinated by the fact that a job posting popped up for the Internet of Things. And I can't remember if it was a business, marketing, government relation, lobbying job. I I don't remember what it was. I, I probably should have made a note of it. But I was fascinated by the fact that there was a job for the Internet of Things. I'm more fascinated by the fact that people hire you. Because you actually said the word, the plural of job, job. So you actually well, have yeah. other people. I'm just. Well, I do consulting, so yeah, I, 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 I've got a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire. Yes, yes, you do. And um, I but yeah, we have multiple avatars that can manage different. <laughs> I can do a lot of stuff. But, it may not be really me, but but you're absolutely right. It's about um, the Internet of Things, and I just lost my train of thought. So you you so. They actually had a listing. Yeah, there was a job posting for... The Internet of Things. Working for the Internet of Things. We have to dig this up. Yeah, I'll, really, I'll find it. I'm really we'll talk curious. About it next week. I'll see about. if I can dig it up yeah, for next week. Yeah. So, you know, objects... And, and I think people still are just baffled by the fact that you can buy Wi-Fi connected light bulbs. And why would you even do this, right? Uh, your refrigerator. But in a couple of years, why wouldn't you do this? That, that's where we're going to get to because, you know, I'm big about paradigm shifts and look where things start from and where they go to. And it, it's kind of like old school technology. Go walk into a classroom at a high school with a cassette tape and ask a student to tell you what it is. And most of them aren't going to have a clue. right. right. Unless they watch old school stuff on TV. Yep. You, you're not going to know. So paradigm shift. So technology to me is one big paradigm shift. We're taking these incremental steps forward and there's no steps back. So do you think, let me rephrase this question. What In the is, form of a question now. Yes. What objects do we use in everyday life? not connected to the internet right now that you think will be you know because like right now i do not want to see my fork connected to the internet and why is that because then i'll know how many calories i'm consuming at a meal on thanksgiving or easter or christmas it might not count the number of calories but it will count the number of times that you raise that fork fork to your your mouth and and the weight of whatever's on yes yeah fork and and maybe, and maybe you can talk to your fork because it's going to ask you, Steve, what are you consuming right now? And you're going to say, rice Pie. cakes. <laughs> Steve, the weight on this fork is not consistent with rice cake. If my fork talks to me, I'm done. <laughs> done. Done, done, done. How do you feel about your Doritos bag being connected? Oh, Same thing. No. 
So that that would be interesting, right? The government comes along and reg- regulates this stuff. And, but they, and, they already have. But, Just, all right, we're going to step into the government side of yeah. things. And, and when you have the connectivity, you also have oversight, or whatever you want to call it, which can lead to control. And you take a look at states like New York, or cities like New York, that outlawed pop. Right. You know, or, yes, I say pop. I'm from the Midwest. Um and the size, and you can control all these different things. But there's so many workarounds to that; it's not even funny. What? Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you but if there's going to be a workaround to the workaround eventually. If you truly want to consume a lot of pop, you just go to the next restaurant, unless unless they're all connected now, and they're saying, "Steve, sorry, you, why wouldn't they be? You've already drank your allotment of six ounces of Mountain Dew today, so it doesn't matter where you buy it from." But but you're right about that. I'm, I'm just thinking about like light bulbs, for example. You know, do you identify your light bulbs as indoor light bulbs, outdoor light bulbs? Well, Steve, I'm sorry, but you can only have your outdoor light bulbs on for two hours a day, and then all of a sudden. They just go off, right? Because you've got your allotment of electricity that you can use for that day for outdoor illumination. Or water consumption or, yeah. So these things are possible when we're connected. So we're not trying to to scare people here, but these things. The hell I'm not. Wow. Because <laughs> it scares me. I, you know, we're a society based on individual freedoms and the ability to come and go as we please. And, and that might be a little bit of the, the dark side of technology. You know, and granted, we started with Internet of Things, but there's a yin and a yang to everything. And if there's a positive piece, you have to ask yourself, What's the negative piece? Well, and if you don't understand the negative piece, you can't fight against it. Right. So I think there is that, and it's good that we talk about it because, and and think about why would the government in some capacity say you can't have your house illuminated anymore? Well, it's because we're trying to convert everything to electric Because the Chinese balloon that's flying over will know exactly where you live. But it could just be about energy consumption, or they oh, yeah, could, that too. or they could just say that you can't do these things because we need to. We're only producing so much on the grid right now, and these are the things you can't use. We can't turn your Christmas lights on either, by the way, this year, and we're going to make sure that you. Can I'm do okay put with them that on. if that means I don't have to put them up when it's cold outside. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Please, government. Take away my <laughs> take away my right to Christmas lights. Oh no no! Don't take away the right. Just keep me from having to do them for my wife. The Tech Ranch Super Talk. Technology comes alive. Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve, and don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. So I have an idea. Yes. Well, Christmas lights. Yeah. Yeah. So the law should be called Wendy's Law. Oh jeez. I know it's her birthday, but do you have to enable her anymore? I, I, it's like I'm I, I'm fighting one arm behind my back as it is. Yeah, but she always gets her way. For you, this would be perfect because then you know they could just come out and say that there's no Christmas lights, and then you would be okay. Wendy's, but lost. I love Christmas. I do too, actually. I love. You I actually, have lights. I love the lights, but there are times like this last year where. I don't know if anybody even on our block had lights on this year. It was really weird for Christmas. Okay, so but, when I was former mayor of Bismarck, one of the nonprofits I started, Capital City Christmas, yeah, yeah. which you know about. Yes. And, 
and then Mandan went and copied us. Um, but uh, we put up lights. We took the lights down on uh, Thursday. Just last Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It, it was colder when we took the lights down than when we put, put them up. <laughs> It, it would be April. wonderful <laughs> if there were a way to just put them up and leave them up. Yeah, I agree. Technology could do that. That is true. You could have robots out there doing this for you. You could have just transformer decorations, so it would transform from Christmas to Easter. I love to transformers. Fourth of July. We should we should create a transformer uh, decoration for light poles for cities, starring Josh Dumel. Push a button, oh, and, okay. and it would just change to an Easter egg. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and then you push another button, and it's now a flag. Fourth of July. I'm actually thinking this isn't a bad St. idea. St. Patrick's Day. People should just listen. We should have business. People who want to start their own businesses just listen to our show because we come up with 10 different ideas every week. Yeah, I'm just saying. You don't we write really any do. of them down. Well, that's what we have Lacey for. <laughs> Oh yeah, people. I forgot. She's, people. She's over here writing everything down, you know. So that's and she's like, that is a good idea. How could we do that? We could get some three D printers and start making and mount them on every light pole. Every light pole. And and what I love about this is that we get more remote controls. We could have one remote control or for you every that light guy? pole. Oh no. I used to be that guy. Did no. you have a remote control boat back in the day? No, ro- no, did not have. Remember one of those? those? Remember the remote boat? Remember, I played with dirt. Oh yeah. Put a little water in there, you got mud. And if I found a stick, it was a bonus. So if you added more water, then the stick might float. <laughs> That's true. I never tried that. Again. Remote boat. You remember those? Oh, of though. course. Yeah, the little contraption that held all these remotes. Because back in the day, we had a remote for everything. Yeah. We I did. remember back when TVs were clickers, clunk clunk, and did, the channel changed. Did you have clunk, clunk. did you have a wired one ever? No, never had the wired one. So some of the first VCRs that came out were actually oh, I wired. I remember the wired VCRs. Yeah, yes. wired remotes for the Not VCRs. The Unbelievable. I mean, you think about that technology. You, like you would, so you you wouldn't get up from your lounger. You would just have this forty foot cord running through your living room. See, so I thought that's, that's why people had kids. That's what I thought because too. that was my job. It I was, had to get up and turn the channel. It was the oh, great. To which one of the three would you like me to turn it to? It was the great motivation. Motiva- <laughs> motivation. <laughs> Mortification. What the heck is that word? Motivation to have children. Mortification. That's probably a better Mortifying, word. I yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought I was the remote. That's funny. That is so funny. All right. So anything else with the fixing of things, Internet of things? Oh, I was going to put... Um, I'll try to find that job posting for... Do you for... know what um, a DOS attack is? No. So as a and I know you know what DOS, DOS is, right? You know, Computers. I mean, that was that was the it's an operating system that was you know and and actually still still is in there. Was that the one where everything was green? Well, it was it, it was basically it's the code. I mean, you know, you would type the commands in the DOS. But it's commands. old. It's back when. Well, yeah. I, I remember back in my uh, I think it was fifth grade computer programming course because that's when we and we got to build that green tank, the geodesic oh, yeah, tank, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. blow things up, yeah. which was really. It's Kind of Tronish, yeah, yeah. Um, remember that movie Tron? Yep. Um, the original, not the, not the original, but it was kind of yeah. like that, and you could go, and it was based off a of DOS. Yeah. 
And DOS is still around. I mean, it actually is still in your computer. It's, it's kind just, of a foundation. Well, to it's computing. the code. Yeah, you know, it's it's just the code, and then you have a uh, GUI, a graphic user interface, on top of it, which is you know like the Windows 11 experience or whatever. I was thinking cookies so, all of a sudden yeah. for some strange reason. Yep. But anyway, uh, a DOS attack is actually a denial of service attack. Oh. So, like National Day Calendar, for example. We deal with this on almost a daily basis. That's a DOD attack, though, isn't it? Denial of days? That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so because our site is so popular... For those of you who don't, are yeah, at home and don't know this, Lacey laughed. She did laugh. She, she laughed. She, I seen her smile. Yeah, she giggled a little bit. But denial of service attacks um, mean that you are bombarded with so much traffic... That your servers can't so it's an handle overload. it. It's an overload. That's exactly right. Well, what's interesting is that denial of service attacks used to be where you'd have a virus on a computer, and then there'd be a hundred thousand computers that had the same virus, and at the same time, uh, you would like say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take National Day Calendar down, or we're gonna take Google down, or whatever it is." Or so a you pipeline. Just, or... You just just so much traffic to it that it just can't handle it and as a result it gets overloaded and that's that right so the denial of service attacks now are coming from the internet of things really well there's no safety protocols on these things to speak of so there's no passwords my usually, light bulb. or or the or nobody changes their passwords it all comes in uh the the default password is 1234 so then uh, you can come in, I can come into your router and say, oh, Steve's got 18 light bulbs on here, and he didn't change the password to any of them. And although there's not a lot of computing powder there. You have to change there, passwords to light bulbs? I knew you are going to laugh about that. Uh, but if you didn't change them, which most people don't, because they're, they think exactly what you're doing right now. Okay, no, I'm just thinking the old joke. How many tech geeks does it take to change a password on a light bulb? <laughs> that's the, that's an old joke. Well, you just made up a new joke, well, right there. Yeah, screw, how many people does it take to screw in a light it's bulb? Based it's based on the old joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So this 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 gets interesting because there's not a lot of computing power in a light bulb, but there's some. And so then you take and and because there's millions or billions of light bulbs out there now that all have the same password, as soon as they have this virus has access to maybe your computer system in your house and it realizes that you have all these all these uh, light bulbs on there, it can say, "All right, let's let's take down Google with millions and millions of light bulbs." Oh, and for the fun of it, let's throw in some refrigerators and toasters and and uh, all okay. these things. Going back to the grid, because everything is being electrically based, and I take a look. We can get into the story if you want about you getting your vehicle charged in Las Vegas, your electric vehicle, and uh, the headache that was. Yep. But if you take a look at the grid and... I don't see the grid being there where all these things are. We don't have enough grid yet. We don't have a grid capacity, grid space, grid, 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 grid. It comes back to grid, not necessarily power consumption, but the connectivity of that power to where it needs to be, when it needs to be. And I go back and look at just a smart home. Look at all the things that utilize electricity in a smart home. And forget about 
crashing a grid because everybody's charging their vehicles at the same time. Just think about your smart light bulb and your smart because now you've got the power consumption, which granted a lot of the LED lights reduce power consumption significantly. Yeah, but the intelligence of that connectivity of that light bulb. That needs power too. So it's it's kind of like or your, your refrigerator or your stove or your microwave or all these smart devices. Do you have Do you have a new television? Uh, have, within five six years. Okay. So have you noticed that it doesn't actually power off? Right. It just goes to standby mode. I mean, you yeah. turn it off, and then the little red button shows up down there. Yeah. But it's not really one hundred percent. And I put a piece off. of tape over the camera. So. Okay. Good for you. And the microphone too. Yes. Tin foil? No. No hats. Okay. I was just, just thinking just around tape. tin tin foil around your TV. Okay. But, uh, Does that work? I've heard. <laughs> the crackling noise really, really defers the Chinese from listening. So yeah. it's hard to get stereo that way. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, please don't put tin foil around your TV. Okay, yeah, we're, we're kidding. TVs. We're not kidding about the fact that people can listen to your TV, though. Or the hats. But yeah. it's still. It's still. Um, but the grid side of stuff, yeah. I mean, when you're looking at all this connectivity, that's a huge drain on the grid. So when you're looking at a grid system that shaky at best, especially in population centers, then what does that mean from a connectivity perspective, from a smart home perspective? Because, yeah, an LED bulb saves a lot of electricity and I can have... 20 light bulbs where I could have on that 10-amp circuit six before. So, yeah, I can get more illumination. But now you're talking smart connected devices, light bulbs. That connectivity takes electricity as well. It does. It all of it takes electricity, and we're using more and more electricity again. Um, we had that, that curve, that straight-up curve we had for 50 years slowed down a lot for the last decade, and that's because of the conversion of two LED light bulbs. And that conversion was so great that it actually leveled the electrical consumption of this country. Right. But now it's starting to go back up again. Uh, so you have that going on. But I'm just going to throw one other scenario, scenario to you then. So you look at, like, California last year during the heat wave, right? What was the thing they were putting out, out to everybody? Don't use your air conditioning. Don't charge your electric cars. That's it, right there. Okay. Don't charge your electric cars because they needed to conserve energy or resources so that they could maybe air condition houses. That was the priority, right? So what stops the California government now that you have the Internet of Things and you can't tell me that that Tesla charger isn't connected? Sooner or later, I'm they just get telling to shut you. Off your charger. That's correct. These big devices that are, you know, uh, they will have control over that, and then they could also control. Well, well, all right, you can only you can only cool your food two hours a day as well, you know, type of stuff. Well, so think of it in terms of of off peak rates with electricity. It, in you know, us coming from a rural state, um, we have co ops for electricity, and there was a thing back in the eighties where you could get this little device put onto your meter and off peak power. So it cut down your energy consumption so that you were only running the washer and dryer or your dishwasher at night. Right. Because that's when it was cheaper to run those things. It was the off-peak power. They weren't overloading the system. That that technology, the dumb version of that technology, goes back to, 
to the 80s. And I would love to have that, by the way. I would wash my clothes at 3 in the morning if I could. And would get, you? And get 2 point cent, or 2.9 cent power, of course. Absolutely. I'd do that all day long. No, actually, well, all night long. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, But when you're looking at the power consumption with being connected and everything connected, I don't think we have a solution to that yet. I 100% agree. And then... And I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in right now and say that the only solution we have. You were in Vegas partying for a weekend. Is, Maybe you shouldn't. Uh, no, I should weigh in too much. Yeah, wait a week or two to weigh in. But I, I, well, I would, I would have to say that until the power consumption needs are increased, or I mean, the power consumption generation is increased, um, then government will step in and make decisions. Well, especially in states like California yeah. or. Yeah. New York or yeah. whatever, you know, high population centers. Chicago is notorious in the summer. There's a lot of people that perish right. in Chicago because they'll get a heat wave yep. and people will die in their homes right. because they don't have electricity because of a rolling brownout. Right. Um, that, that's a big concern because when we don't have the electrical needs to meet, you know, there's that sweet spot of enough generation and enough output for what all's connected. And if we don't have that power side of things, people die. Well, and if if it's a choice that you have... I choose not to die. Right. But, you know, you have power coming to your place, so you're going to leave the air conditioning on, right? And you're going right. to charge your car and all this other stuff. Somebody, but there's other people that are not able to do that because they don't have power because you have power. So who's making the choices to... Well, and that's the part of the problem with the grid is, in going to some of the green energy, is it's not shiftable. Right. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk. Tech Ranch. We're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside Marlo and Steve. So we've referenced smart grid technology a lot. I do that a lot. And this is actually an area you play a lot in. Yes, energy sector. So, you know, before we really dive into smart grid technology, why don't you give us like a baseline? You know, okay. Uh, so, smart grid technology. It, in, <laughs> it's funny because again, during a break, um, I was explaining this to Lacey a little bit because she asked what because we have a dumb grid, and if you want to think of terms of technology. Analog versus digital. We have an analog grid. So grids aren't able to talk to each other across other grids a whole lot. Um, the technology is not there because when you're looking at baseload power like coal or natural gas is in this country, uh, natural gas is more of a peaking mechanism. Uh, coal is the baseload power in this country. And it's not very flexible when it comes to ramping up or ramping down a coal-fired power plant. So either it's on or it's off. The problem with not having a smart grid is when you start adding all these alternative energy sources, i.e. wind, solar, that we all know that the wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine, or the wind blows too much, like in states like North Dakota, weather conditions play a big Roll because wind turbines can't turn all the time if it's too cold 
because there's lubricants in there that facilitate them to turn, which it's kind of funny when, well, not funny because a whole bunch of people died. Great example a few years ago in Texas. So we're up in North Dakota. We had rolling brownouts in North Dakota because the grid wasn't flexible enough to get power down to Texas when they needed it because all the wind turbines stopped because it was either too cold, the lubricants froze up, or too windy, they didn't turn, they, they actually had a lot of damage down there. So not having a smart grid that can flex energy from different places in the country, seamlessly, that's a problem. So now we have a dumb grid that we're trying to put all these innovative energy sources on that grid, we don't have the flexibility for it. So... Great example, Texas, long way from North Dakota, we had brownouts in North Dakota because of what was going on in Texas. But we were trying to help them from here. Right. Which which is why that was caused that way. But Right. But, but if, if say, say you have a, a surplus of energy, and actually what helped out Texas was that a lot of energy came out of Mexico because um, I know a bunch of energy brokers, and, and they were – scrambling like crazy to source energy out of Mexico to get into Texas when that crisis took place. But we don't have the ability to take energy from a South Carolina and get it over to California when they're having their notorious rolling brownouts. We we don't have that flexibility from microgrid to microgrid because the, the grids are in sections. We're sectioned off in this country and trying to get it from one side to the other's. We just don't have that technology. That's where smart grid technology needs to come in, so, and we're not there yet. So, so I, I know sometimes, you know, you you sound the alarm on a lot of things before I do, um, and that's okay. You know, I, I, I live in more uh, – I, I tend to be more optimistic about things. Marlo maybe. Land? Yeah, I live in my own my own. Okay, I'm trying to figure Marlo out if that's more Marlo like Candyland or Shoots and Ladders. Yes. One and, of the t- it's somewhere between the two. And again, I mean, we were talking about this earlier about it's good that we talk, have these conversations. But I wonder if if we had everything connected, are we more vulnerable to attack as opposed to you know what being sectioned off like we are? So it makes it really difficult for cyber terrorists, for example. You know, if they take out California, that they can't take out the rest of the country, right? Because they're not all connected. Right now, or they're, mild, even... they're they're mildly connected, but I would hope that uh, there's a lot of stop gaps put into that. But I look at the limiting factor for all the technology that we've got from a, you know take a smart home technology, and everything shifting over to electricity, uh, right down to mowing your lawn. And if we're putting all the eggs in that basket, the limiting factor to that is a dumb grid. Not having the flexibility to source electricity when it's needed because we also don't have the storage capacity. If you don't have storage capacity, you need the capacity to be able to shift it from where it's needed to where it's needed. That's smart grid technology. We're just, I see that as a limiting factor for technology in general. I, 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 off to the races, I want to run down that road, but, you know, you reference rabbit holes that we go down a lot quite often, and I think that potentially is a big rabbit hole. So, 
I'm just going to give you one scenario here. If we were connected across the country in the way we should be with a smart grid, I'm assuming we could take advantage of the time change. Right. So that when it's becoming light, you know, on the East Coast and energy consumption drops a little bit. That's part of having a smart grid. We can push that three-hour difference to California. Yeah, what's your peak time? Is it dinner? Vice versa. Breakfast? Yeah, exactly. So you could take those and spread that out a little bit because the peaks across the country are at different times. I mean, they're at the same, maybe at the same time, but there's hours difference because yeah. of the time zone change. You yeah. know, if any given time's four hours difference from the East Coast to the West Coast. If you want to include Canada, four and a half hours. <laughs> Only in Newfoundland. Newfoundland and, and <laughs> Prince Edward Island. But yeah. <laughs> how can that? I've never figured that one out. How can it be? Eleven o'clock here and twelve thirty there. I I don't know. I, don't, I, I I've never figured that one out. Well, I I understand it because it's halfway through a time zone, and that's why they do that. But they do their own thing. Please, up there. please put it so that it's at least easy for the. You rest can't of even us. blame the metric system for that. I can't. I, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've had meetings with people in Newfoundland, and I'm always a half hour. Why late. are you talking to fishermen? And well, they they have some cool stuff up there. Really? Of They're course. not all fishermen? I know some people who are on high tech up there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, it'll just come across at like 2.30, if they, especially if they set up the meeting, right? And I'm, I'm like, and then we're near the border. I struggle with the central to mountain time zone change half the time. Which means if it comes in at 2.30 there, it means it's one o'clock here. If this you is say like, so. I'm serious. This is exactly how this is. And so it comes across at 2.30 and I don't even think the, the calendaring system I have even understands what is going on with this. How can it not just be an equal hour? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I just figured this out. Yeah. This is an entirely new market share for you, Marlo. I, I can't National wait. day and a half calendar. <laughs> entirely new market just for, for those that live in, in Prince Edward Island. Island and the Newfoundland I area. I believe there are a couple other uh, things like that across the world where they're at the half hour, too. But they're the most notable ones, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. our Canadian friends. I just love it. I yeah. love I love the uniqueness I of remember that. when they came up with the toonie. Yes. <laughs> to go along with the loony. Come on. O- Ohio. They do one. have pretty money. Ohio at one time, they do have yeah. pretty money. Not worth a lot. 22 time zones right in the same state. Oh, Can you imagine that? But none of them were a half hour. None. <laughs> I don't believe so. I think they were all in hour increments, yeah. An homage to our friends in Canada. Don't don't uh, quote me on that, though. Yeah, time zones. We should talk about that sometime and why we have them. I think that'd be fun. Well, when you're looking at... Just Ohio is fascinating uh, in in its own right. Mm-hmm. Hey, we should talk about that. Let's talk about that when we come back. All right. Fair enough. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with tech. Technology. The Tech Ranch. This is Outdoor Issues with Neil Roberts and North Dakota Game and Fish Outreach Biologist Greg Gullickson. Finally, some warm weather. 
a fast melting of the snow. That's the good news, I guess. But with that, Greg, comes some fast melting snow, and that causes some issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. It means challenges for landowners out there, cities, uh, road crews, going from sub-zero temperatures to the 60s and 70s means a lot. And we do a few seasons that are open right now, the turkey season, snow goose season, and even those that are anxious to plink at a gopher out there. We need to be cognizant, even though that we're not dealing with winter weather advisories or roads that are blocked, there still are some of those back roads, back trails across North Dakota that for those of us that and enjoy the outdoors, need to keep that in mind. Don't rut up those county roads, those township roads, those back roads. Maybe it's time to simply take that little bit longer walk into the favorite spot that you like to hunt turkeys or snow geese. Enjoy the fresh air in North Dakota. All right, good stuff, Greg. Hey, more on our late spring when we come back. At Slim Chickens, there's a reason we hang guitars on our walls and play the blues loud. The same reason we only serve 100% all-natural chicken tenders, because that's the way we like it. There's a reason we treat you like family and serve food just like you would at home, because you deserve to have it that way. And there's a reason it's made fresh when you order and served hot, because that's our promise to you. Slim Chickens. Fresh. Delicious. Chicken. Nathan and Emily Spickler present the Spickler Ranch South Production Sale at the ranch on Monday, May 1st at 1 p.m., halfway between Carrington and Glenfield on Highway 200. Selling are 150 bulls, 30 registered heifers, and 45 commercial heifers, all fully guaranteed. The sale will be broadcast, and you can bid live online at dvauction.com. We offer 1,000-mile-free delivery on bulls. It's the Spickler Ranch South Production Sale on Monday, May 1st at 1 p.m., 14 and a half miles east of Carrington on Highway 200. Visit SpicklerRanchSouth.com for more information. Talking the mail. Melting of snow as spring has apparently finally arrived, and Greg, our wildlife will finally get a break from this crazy weather as well, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, one of the things that I noticed was with our sharp-tailed grouse, and we can talk on that a little bit more, there's a great webcast out there right now talking about the way that our department surveys sharp-tailed grouse. Normally, it would have been the middle of March. Now that survey and those strutting grouse out there will be pushed back quite a bit. All right, good stuff, Greg, and that'll bring this report to a close. If you missed one, check us on the website, OutdoorShoes.com. Until next time, I'm Neil Roberts. You've been listening to Outdoor Issues, brought to you in part by the Spickler Ranch South Production Sale by Slim Chickens in Minot, and enjoy a home-cooked meal at Homesteaders in Minot. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
KXXAM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. The 2024 presidential race getting a few new candidates this week. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced his candidacy for the Democratic nomination and conservative talk host Larry Elder threw his hat into the Republican primary race. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has not formally announced but is visiting states this week, meeting with possible donors and supporters. He spoke at the Utah GOP organizing convention today and described his approach he takes in Florida. We're not doing drama. We're not doing palace intrigue. We are focused on executing our agenda. His agenda includes recent legislation in Florida to extend the so-called don't say gay bill through 12th grade. President Biden, meantime, could make his re-election bid official as early as next week. Tuesday, April 25th is seen as a likely target date as that would be the four-year anniversary of his announcement he was running in the 2020 election. Democratic donors are being invited to Washington, D.C. with strategy sessions planned for later next week. The White House declined to comment to ABC News. The president said earlier this month he plans on running for re-election but did not say when the official announcement would take place. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Hundreds are dead in Sudan as fighting between government forces and rival military groups continues and enters a second week. It includes spilling over into the capital, the U.S. urging a ceasefire so American embassy workers can get out. ABC's Inez de la Quatera has more. The State Department says it has spoken to several hundreds of Americans still in Sudan, and we know one American has been killed. The fighting first broke out a week ago with Sudan's armed forces and a paramilitary group known as the Rapid Support forces fight for control of the country. So far, at least 400 people have been killed and thousands more have been injured. Access to the abortion drug mifepristone remains available after the Supreme Court decided not to take up a lower court ruling. This is ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. I'm meteorologist Megan Hatton. More clouds than sunshine, a cool and breezy day overall. The high near 40 this afternoon, north wind 10 to 15. Periods of cloud cover tonight, the low around 20. For Sunday, a mix of sunshine and clouds, the high near 45. Sunny Monday, high 49. Looking for a great place to live, stay, shop, and play? It's easy to get to Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Right now, it's 42. Hitting the trails? Shed hunting? Those that enjoy finding antlers, we have news for you. Plus, we spotlight a nonprofit giving back to active military and our veterans. And we have the outdoor headlines, too. This is Beck with the Outdoor Show, The Bend. We have dates and a spring must-do now. Be sure to join us on The Bend. Right here, Saturdays following Ranch It Up on Super Talk 1270. Catch the Tech Ranch with Marlo Anderson and Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270, Saturday afternoons 1 till 4 on Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. So... 
I know we're going to come back with the time change stuff. Let's we're going to save that, though, because there was a lot with AI that uh, you and I were talking to the break. And, and again, rabbit hole. Um, you showed me a video that was... That's scary, isn't it? It was beyond frightening when it comes to AI. And a lot of this is. So you haven't watched it in its entirety yet, but the Elon Musk conversation i with, watched it at all actually okay so, with with yeah. the president of google and, yeah. and fascinating no politics involved there just ai and oh my goodness and, and it's it's kind of interesting how that friendship deteriorated over ai between elon musk and the ceo of google and where he wanted to take ai because ai started uh, from the elon musk perspective as a Nonprofit and for the greater good and all. Anyway, you, you have to watch it. We'll discuss that yep. after you watch that yep. a little bit further. But uh, the video you were showing me, oh, my goodness. So I'm going to – can I just play that through the microphone here, you think? A- absolutely. Let's just do that. And I'll, I'll stop it at each time point, okay? Okay, because as you're playing this, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Which yeah. movie is that? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So here we go. <clears throat> You have to push play. That would be helpful. And why is it? Oh, yeah. Look like in 2023, AI is just beginning to become relevant. GPT-4 was introduced this year and goes a step beyond chat GPT with text, images, sounds, and video analysis. 2026, search engines are replaced with AI. AGI is finally achieved and human jobs like web developers, accountants, lawyers are gradually replaced by AI. The timeline is is interesting. So 2023, which is where we're at right now, you know, they talk about chat GPT-4. Do you have that one yet? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, and I use it a lot. Um, but I find it interesting that by 2026, you know, attorneys are, you know, starting to be replaced. So kids, if you're thinking about going to UND Law School, maybe you should rethink that. There's a lot of things that I wouldn't go into. You know, if you're bringing that up, I would Let's not. Let's talk about that. What are the technologies you see being replaced that not a career field? Because we, we, you and I have talked about this a lot about, yes, there are jobs that are going to go away, but there's going to be jobs that are created because of this technology. So what goes away? What, what do you see being a outdated career path for somebody who is just coming up through high school now. So you just opened a huge rabbit hole by asking me this. Did I do that again? Yes. I'm sorry. But it gets interesting, and we'll get back to the timeline because I think what you ask is really, really intriguing. So the estimates are I've been, and, and you know, over the course of NAB last week, I ran into some really interesting individuals because AI is everywhere at this convention, everywhere. Well, I know just from the radio broadcast side of things, yeah. the discussion with AI is like, yeah. well, can we just replace talk show hosts and DJs and people like that and and just have AI do it? So this one gentleman in particular, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name right now, but this guy was fascinating. And he was he was talking on the stage, and I, I then talked to him for another hour afterwards. And he believes that artificial intelligence will replace 300 million jobs. 300 million jobs. So, he Do said, you see artificial intelligence replacing 
300 million jobs with other jobs. So this was what was interesting about what he stated. So in the almost every transition that we have gone through, industrial revolution, all of these things, right, uh, when cars became the main form of transportation, those were huge job transformation periods. And we always came out of it on the other side in a good space, okay? So now we are in where we're at now, and he believes that we're going to be replacing 300 million jobs with things that we don't even know yet. And it's something that, like you and I even talked about, the just absolute resurgence of small businesses, businesses that could not exist without this technology. And, and you know, I always pick on National Day calendar because there's no way that we could – National Day calendar couldn't function because we don't we don't have a hundred million dollars a year coming in to support three hundred people to do the work that fifteen people do because we utilize technology right so because of that our company is there and does okay and there are a lot of other companies like that but, but now there's a tipping point there's you, a you tipping can only point. grow so much because uh, there's constraints involved well and and if you know for example you know one of the jobs web developers and app developers that they're talking about 2026 ai is going to replace all these people right well the wonderful thing about that that sounds scary to those people who are in those fields the wonderful thing about that is an app that costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars and it's not going to cost three hundred dollars well you've experimented with that uh, and it works through the ai yes. it's like hey i need an app that does this so i i can't afford the quarter of a million dollars to develop it right now but if i but if it only cost me three thousand dollars for example to develop this app and then this amazing idea that has never been able to move forward before now becomes viable and they start making money and then they need to hire people to support the app you see where this goes you know because so you're you're, a little paradigm a a juxtaposition of the technology and labor force. It, it, it lowers the cost of entry into something. And this has happened over and over and over again. And everything we've done now, it's just technology. It lowers the cost of entry into this business. The business thrives and hires more and more people. But we just don't know what those type of jobs are yet because we don't know what the app is going to do or whatever. But I see a huge amount of small businesses coming to light because of this technology. So what's the timeline on trying to figure out if $300 million or million jobs are going to go away, you need to figure out the replacement for that. So is there a correlating timeline of those types of jobs just don't pop up overnight and have people that can fill them overnight? There's education and training. and Yeah, but, you know, you say that. Um, or do I just go to my... I didn't, I didn't have anybody train me to become a web developer because there was no way to go to school for it when I was there, right? I mean, people do go out and get self-educated to do things. You know, the companies themselves, if they're developing some new technology, will bring people <laughs> along to, to train or whatever, right? There's an app right? for that. There's an, that that's true. And there's <laughs> I YouTube. can learn anything. There's an app for that. And there's there's artificial intelligence that can train you. I mean, there's all this stuff that's available nowadays. This is what was really interesting with this guy, though. He said every other uh, thing that we've gone through in the past, the government has kind of stepped back. And I don't mean to get political here, but this was really an interesting case study to me. The private sector's innovated and been allowed to innovate. That's correct. He's really concerned 
about the government getting involved in the artificial intelligence space and not letting it do what it should do. He, he said he, he, he would use the car analogy all the time. The car analogy was there. I mean, the cars were there. The government, for the most part, let the industry figure it out and thrive. And then it built infrastructure around it, you know, roads and bridges right. and whatever else, right? Because all of a sudden this became a thing. He said that, and he uses Detroit. He said because government got in the way in Detroit, it decimated the town. Detroit's a third world country. You go to Detroit and, and, uh, because Detroit started to tax innovation. And so you have the car industry there and then, you know, the car industry thrives and then the government gets in the way and starts doing these things. And all of a sudden there's nothing left in Detroit to speak. I mean, there's, there, of course there's stuff there, but you're right. I mean, it feels like a third world, world it country. Does. In a lot of the areas, I mean, it's a third of the population. I used to live in Michigan and not near Detroit, but I kind of figured it out when they started tearing down city blocks to put farmland back in. Isn't that crazy? Inner city, because it was that decayed. Well, and and at least you get some value. That's what they were looking at is is what's the best benefit for the land, for the property value. Well, it was going back to agriculture. Now you take a look at everywhere else that we're consuming ag land for growth and development everywhere except places like Detroit. So his his thing, and and I do not know how, I mean, we didn't talk enough to understand his political slant. And I I don't think this means political slant right here. I just, I just think that government, for the most part, has to kind of stay out of the way because if they don't, this could, this could be significant. Because if you don't let the, in, the artificial intelligence or the car develop, you know, all of a sudden everybody's out of a job because they start taxing it, they start getting in the way. Of it because of policy that's that's uh, that the government enforces, very similar to what happened in Detroit. So, so did you get an opportunity to talk to him about? Because there's a little difference. There, there's government overreach. There's government getting in the way of things. There's government taxing and, things, and that's how he felt about what happened to Detroit. Government just got in the way of stuff, and then the innovation just went elsewhere and, and killed and, the town. There's regulation side of things, and, and government has notoriously has the ability to overregulate. Um, one of the things Elon Musk in the interview was talking about was there needs to be some constraints or some sort of a pause, or maybe we need humanity to catch up to where we're at before we let it continue to go. How do you do that, though? That's a good question. You've just I, I don't the know. genie out of the, out of the bottle. It I, is. I have no idea how you do that. And it can't go back in because they broke the bottle. Well, and, and, and what's what's driving a lot of this is that because ChatGPT comes out, there were hundreds of other companies that were working on artificial intelligence that feel like they were being left out all of a sudden. So they raced their products to market because – for them, I mean, if you have if you have fifty million dollars in your company in research and development, and now somebody's beat you to the punch, you need to get your stuff out there because otherwise, you just lost the fifty million dollars you put into it. So it's it's about that as much as anything else, the return on investment of dollars. Well, and know, that's where so. it comes back to either you're at that point mitigating your losses or trying to get out ahead of it so that you can 
capitalize on where you're at with your technology as right, well. Right. The Tech Ranch. Listen. Tech Ranch. Getting ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. All right. So the job scenario, you know, our our, our advice, I hope, is is uh, going to be taken seriously here. Government, you know, get involved where you need to. And, and maybe, you know, the three rules of AI or something like that, like an iRobot. I know it's a movie reference for you, but but there probably has to be something that protects humanity from AI. Just, you know, I just think that we have to figure that out somehow. Well, or another, and, and but. we'll get into that as you continue with the video. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Because we get to that point where, okay, what's going to protect humanity from AI, which couple different movie references yeah. at that point. Um, but there's a fourth movie reference that I'll make down the road. But if Well, and, and, and before we go on, you know, your first question was, or about this, was what jobs or what would yeah, you go into? Yeah, what other jobs right? or right. career paths? <clears throat> if you walk into a – and you speak at uh, different school functions, and you're in a classroom speaking, and kids ask you, well, what should I do for yeah. my career path? Well – what shouldn't they do? Well, I, I I certainly wouldn't get into finance. I think AI is going to rule the day there. Unless you want to open like a boutique agency or you want to work for a boutique agency. Because I do believe that there will be the companies that have all this AI going on um, and doing your tax returns and doing this other stuff. But there's going to be a segment of the population, and I think a pretty good size segment, that won't trust this stuff, and they'll go to the boutique agency or the boutique bank or whatever. But right? that's going back to the paradigm shift. And, and you know, like I brought up the cassette tape example. Right. In a few years, people aren't going to know what that was. Right. And, and it's possible that this will be this way, too. So these boutique type of scenarios are going to disappear. I mean, restaurants is is another thing, right? I mean, you know, we have robots that are going to start serving our food, robots that are going to start cooking our food in these places. Um, you know, so a boutique restaurant that's all handmade and the chef and whatever, and maybe you have to create specialty type of things, uh, but like a fast food place, I, I just can't imagine that like five years from now there are going to be a lot of really – There'll be jobs because somebody has to stock the machines and do all this other stuff that goes with it. But to actually be a fry cook at a fast food joint, probably going to disappear, you know. So, But now you want to talk about minimum wage jobs because, okay, I just have to put stuff back in the robot. Right. But the problem, you know, and, and this is kind of the government thing going on here too, right? What do you think is pushing that? The minimum wage thing. Minimum wage thing. Because – Companies like McDonald's realize that in order for them to keep a Big Mac at a certain dollar level, I mean, the Comes labor back to price point, it's, it's all price point and labor is a big price point or a big point or a part of that operation. If they can't afford to have people at the counters taking orders because now they got to pay them $18 an hour or whatever well, and you it is. You see that already because there's everywhere to order everywhere. everywhere. So these, these places, these states like California, for example, that have mandated these high minimum wage scenarios. And I understand, you know, you get into it and you understand why they're doing that. But, 
you know, you can't afford to live in L.A. unless you make $200,000 right. a the, year. The macro and microeconomics yeah. involved with the reason why somebody has to have a $25 an hour minimum wage job because of the cost of living in that place. That's an entire show for yes, a exactly. show exactly. itself. But, but it, McDonald's it, wants to be consistent across the country because, right. because the Big Mac costs $4.99. I don't know what a Big Mac costs. I'm just making that up. But if it does and they want to be consistent with that, they can't anymore because they're dealing with these economies in these different places yeah. and they're they're being forced out or they have to change. And so they're going to change. That's what's going to happen. They are literally going to change. Could you see a McDonald's commercial? Hey, the new Big Mac, blah, 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 blah. And it's $4.99 uh, here and $12 here yeah. and $8 there. From a marketing perspective, that's a nightmare. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. And they've built their whole company on consistency. It's the same hamburger, right. same french fries, same price. Yeah, and the same amount of time that it takes to go through the drive-thru, that's one of the, the pieces of that. Yep. What what other places should you not look at career paths? Yeah, I, so, you know, um, I suppose legal. I think that's really interesting, you know, what's going on in there. And probably other service type of things like that. So if you're a writer, editor, you know, things like that for like um, editing a book, you know, I think that these type of jobs, you're going to just drop it, you're going to drop your manuscript or whatever into AI and it's going to, you know, within minutes come back with your corrected manuscript and, and probably suggestions for changes why do I know this? Because I've already done this, and it works pretty good. You know, I put my original content in there, comes back, and it suggests these different things. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. One so. of the places, part of when AI and, and Chat GPT came out, and it was the time of the year, uh, ramping up to tax season. It's like, okay, uh, file my tax return, taking every break within the tax code to keep me legal that possibly I can get every penny back I can from the government. Yep. Okay, done. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you bring that up. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with artificial intelligence is what's called AI agents. This is already a thing. So you task your AI through the agent. This is my this is my W-2, these are my expenses, you put all this stuff in there, and then you just ask the agent to prepare my taxes for getting me the biggest return possible. And and the agent then will start to prompt, like chat GPT or whatever, with the questions. This is the information, this is the questions, these are the things you have to do, and it just goes So bop, that's bop, an actual bop. human? No, this is an AI doing this. An AI, this is like your virtual assistant doing this stuff. And it just starts going, it starts going to work like your personal assistant would, uh, and does all this stuff. And so by the time the it's done. the tax code just to the point where I'm just shy of getting audited. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it'd quite do that, but, but if you, you want to go on a trip someplace, right? So you're going to go to Las Vegas for the weekend or whatever. You like to hike. All right. Can you, can you suggest three different places I can hike? Can you put together the restaurants that I need to be in that space? Can you do all of this stuff? And then, by the way, go ahead and go ahead and book all of these things, get my reservations in place and whatever, and within an hour you will have all this stuff done and you didn't touch any of it. You're making Lacey nervous now. Well, and she, you just hired her. She should be. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I, I want to come no, back. Lacey has a job because okay. we have these technologies. So, so yeah. I want to come back to as an example, um, the accounting side of stuff. Yeah. So, where's the morality side of or legal side of? Because if you ask Chat GPT to break the law, so say, so it won't do that file. Now. Now, I'm not saying that it won't in the future. Okay, so but. I I, I want to maximize my tax return, and I don't care. Just get it all back and then some. Yeah, it won't do that for you right now. Okay, but that asks the question about morality down the road, and morality is a human constraint. It's not an artificial intelligence yeah, constraint, right, is it? But right now, if you were to ask it that, it would actually come back and state that it is unable to... Um, do this because it will, you know, it's illegal. Because it's illegal. Because it already it's knows. Unethical. It has, it's... it has the tax codes. It has all this stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Not that I'm that, trying to figure out how to. No, I'm just trying it to. It is interesting. I, I'm trying to see where this goes, though, because movie reference, when AI becomes self-aware, and we'll get into that uh, when we get back into the video next. The Tech Ranch. Super Tech Ranch, where technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. All right. Well, I'm going to try to play the next little segment of this now. So we're, we are, the last thing was 2026. What right. AI is going to be doing Pay in Pay attention to the timeline. Yeah. I think that's the important part of this conversation. Yeah. All right. Here we go. 2028. AGI is commonplace in education and media. AGI is frequently producing original art, music, and video content. AGI replaces teachers and revolutionizes the global education system. 2033, AGI works its... All right. <laughs> Didn't get a stop quick enough. All right, so, 2033, we'll pause. And yeah, we'll just to... pause it. So 2028, it stated that AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, will replace teachers. Did you catch that? So... Don't go into the education system, but now we have a shortage of teachers. So, but AI can bail everybody out of that, right? Yes. So my question is, and different it replace teachers and disrupt the educational system. So the educational system, depending on where you're at, politics involved with that has different curriculums. Yes. Is are are we talking one curriculum? Are we talking? here's the general knowledge of everything everybody needs to know that you should be educated with, who gets to decide what you should be educated with. Pick a rabbit hole. I don't have an answer for this. I mean, I've, I have granted we got a few years to worry about it because it's 2028. According to this timeline, there's no time at all. What are you talking about? They're starting to talk about this. I mean, I, I know the chancellor of higher ed here in North Dakota, uh, Chancellor Hagrid, and I know he's already having meetings about what AI is going to be doing to the educational system. Well, the first conversation so, was, okay, a, a, a child could write a term paper, and do you know it's not written right, by the child? Right. And this, I of mean, course, was going to be... I'm thinking cliff notes on steroids here. This, of course, was the uh, has been the big topic since ChatGPT came out to the public at the end of December. This is hard to believe. This isn't even four months old yet. Yeah, since this has been released to the public, and it just dominates everything. But yeah, I mean, 
So what they do there is the uh, um, reference points. You know, you got to have your references to whatever. This is how they're doing um, right now when you turn in term papers. But there's going to be a time when the professors are not going to know the difference between, unless they understand the writing style of the person. But Unless they, the professor is AI. Which is, yes. Because AI, in theory, will be able to identify AI. One would think so, yeah. Yep. But you can train AI right now to write in a style. So, and I've done this. I have, I've, uh, I've done, you know, write in the style of Marlo Anderson to do blogs for the Tech Ranch. Okay. So then I'll take three or four of the articles I've written. I'll drop them in there and then I'll say, now write an article in the style of Marlo about how water bottles, I'm just looking at water bottle hero is, is, uh, you know, filled with Water? Water. And then it would write an article in the style of Marlowe on the information it knows about how to fill a water bottle. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's uncanny. It's unbelievable how good it is by doing it that way. So then if you, but oh, you, I'm just thinking, uh, but you just, have to have a baseline. You have to, you have to teach it. You know, so if you're a, a student that has, you know, already written four or five term papers, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, share with people how you cheat the system here. But sure, you are. You, you're, you're about to tell us. They're going to they're going to figure this out, right? But you you could load it up. Then you open up a ChatGPT window. You you say, I want to uh, I want you to learn how to write in the style of Steve Bakken. And here are you, you could do one of two things. ChatGPT can write in crayon. Yes. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> But then you, you ask, you can either ask it, what do you need from me? Or here are some samples of articles written by Steve Bakken. And then you would just load those articles or those term papers or whatever you've done in there. And then you ask it, do you have enough information to write in the style of Steve Bakken? And then it would actually answer you yes or no. If it's got enough information, then I would test it. And then it, it's, it's unbelievable. So the positive side of that now. I've got the ability to put in my writing samples and chat GPT. We'll use that one. AI. Make me a better writer. So how, how do I improve my writing yeah, so skills? You, you could do that. The other thing that, that I think is interesting about this is that what's the number one problem that most creative people have? Focus. Time. Oh, yeah, time. How many articles do you have? you have people. How many articles do you have in your head, Steve? I mean, if you oh, if, good lord, yes. So, so if you if you could actually ask something to write this for you in the style of Steve Bakken, instead of writing one piece every two or three days, you're cranking out three or four every day. Oh, I I just thought of a space that is very time consuming and very very monotonous. Grant writing. Yeah, it it could. Because all the parameters are in the grant That's correct. proposal, the and what, RFP for a grant, and you could go, okay, write this grant proposal. And I've done this. You have. Well, not with a grant, but with something very similar. And I trained my GPT, my chat GPT, to do all of this, and it wrote the proposal for me. technical writing. Technical and writing. So grant writing is technical, not creative writing, because I think there's a difference. There is. Um, creative writing, it's me and... And that's a little, it's a gray area yep. with, with chat GPT. And in, in the educational system, that's a, a gray area. 
technical writing is entirely different because there's constraints on the technical writing side. It's pretty black and white because it's boxy. It's like, right, I need this, 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 and this. It's really a great idea. And that's why it comes back to grant writing. I have some grants I was going to apply. And and, and the thing is, is I don't ever get to it because I don't have enough time. Right. And it's, it's very time-consuming. It is time-consuming. Grant writing. And, and grant a good grant writer is worth their weight in gold. Yeah. But now yeah. you can apply AI onto that. And, wow. It yeah. Just, All right. Ready to move on to the next one? Another company. We could start that. Yeah, we could. (laughs) Marlowe's Magical Grant Writing Service. Yeah. Yeah. People think I'm a great poem uh, writer right now, by the way. You're a poet and you don't know it? Well, I'm not a poet, but I've been writing these amazing poems. I'll put them up on Facebook. It's a little hidden secret, but it's my chat GPT. I'll put a little topic in there. And it's all about how you prompt it. How was it with haikus? It was pretty good. Okay. I couldn't get it to write an, uh, an R-rated one, though. This is why I, well, I was, that's it was just a joke. That's what you got me for. It's like, I, I'm the king why, of the dirty limerick. That's right. <laughs> Actually, you are. I, I am, yeah. It's All right. Too many years in broadcasting. This one problem. is here 2023 now. Sway into robotics, which it makes for itself. AI is embedded into most technology now, from coffee machines to cars and planes. AGI now automates most blue-collar jobs. 2038. All right, so 2033, AI is in your coffee maker. <laughs> what? So why do you I'm need... I'm so glad I don't drink coffee. Why do you need AI in your coffee maker? To maximize the exact taste to your preference. So I would guess to, that's... I guess you. I would say yeah. you're right. Yeah. I like drinking dirt. Okay, yeah. well, it'll make dirt for you. Right. Because you need to wake up or pull an all-nighter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You don't have to pull an all-nighter. you got AI now. You still have to do that occasionally. But it's, you know, it's talking about by 2033, so 10 years from now. No Marlowe's taste buds. Yeah. And there probably it's will that be. simple. I mean, you're already able to send in tests to determine what you're allergic to food-wise, why couldn't it, you know, by that time know what you really love? And you might not even know it yourself yet, right? But if it's integrated into your coffee machine, I guess that, that to me is the big takeaway in, in that 2033 thing. That means that everything else bigger than coffee machines will have it as well, right? Right. Because that's like the the lowest... Lowest, lowest, lowest of all things. This is bigger than a bread box. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what wins out first with AI. Is it the toaster or the or the coffee machine? But neither one of them is not going to be the biggest priority right now to get yeah, AI put into. Do you remember Ghostbusters 2? Yes. The potentially killer toaster? Yes, I do just, remember that. All right, I'm throwing that out there. So, or the very happy toaster. So. so I find that fascinating that basically anything that you can plug in... We're talking about connectivity right now with Wi-Fi and light bulbs. Well, now artificial intelligence is going to be in those things too, which means what? You're going to be able to talk to the coffee maker and say, hey, I want I want coffee with a little uh, vanilla and a little almond milk, and, and there you are. You got it. Here's your coffee. So don't become a barista either. Or, or just implement the technology. Right. So... One person coffee shop. So going back to the little boutique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Private business. And we and we and we know a couple of these people in town. Mm-hmm. You know, way overworked. You know, and they're trying to keep their coffee businesses going. Uh, and people love going there because you know 
the coffee place is the gathering place nowadays, and it's also the workplace. So, I mean, I think coffee places will continue to thrive, but they'll probably, uh, the staff will get smaller because artificial intelligence will probably help with that. Well, and you take a look at like a coffee shop and part of the ambiance is knowing the owner, uh, having a conversation with the owner, but the owner's so busy that they can't have that conversation. So they've shifted that business model, which hurts the business. Right. Exactly. All right. Next play 2038. AI quantum computing is used at the frontier of science, making discoveries in medicine and engineering that would have taken silicon computers thousands of years to discover. AGI is making so many discoveries that humans can't keep up. It's self-sufficient, making improvements to itself. We begin to recognize it as a super intelligence. Uh Uh-oh, I've seen that movie. (laughs) That's where AI becomes self-aware. 2038. Well, they're talking about quantum computing. Yes. And this is a thing that you and I have talked about a lot. And when you have the the emergence of artificial intelligence and quantum computing and the ability for it to make these incredibly fast computations and just starting to dive deep into things, yeah, I'd say that that is the area of self-awareness. I forget which Terminator movie it was when they were running through the timeline uh, of Skynet becoming self-aware. <laughs> it, 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 all right, I have to ask, though, because it, it, there's it, – we'll get to the Matrix reference here shortly. But at some point – because I, ha- I always have to ask this. At some point, is there a divergence to where – Okay, AI goes off and, okay, the Skynet scenario becomes self-aware. Or is it the idiocracy model where humans become so reliant on all this artificial intelligence, their brains turning to mush, and we start going backwards as a species from an intelligence perspective, a la the movie Idiocracy. there's a divergence there somewhere, and I'm 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 a little torn on well, I'm really, which road are we going down. I'm really hoping we're going on the idiocracy road because the other one means termination of all life. Well, yeah, you know, so there is that. Uh, but but is there within the human scope, the human no. sphere of things, is there a point where we become too reliant on this technology and we're setting ourselves up for a fall, like in idiocracy? So, I wonder. Overall, if our because we're already becoming dumber as a species, are, yeah, I wonder if our students right now have the same quality of education that like you and I had coming through the system. Great question. So, and and is that? I mean, granted, I mean, you could probably drop in some government references here too. I want to stay on the tech side. So, is the when I was going to school, the big debate was. Using a calculator. Right. You know, and the, the, in your case, I thought it was an abacus. Well, that's, I did, I actually learned how to use an abacus <laughs> though. So, okay. <laughs> so there you go. Not sure if I could run. I might still be able to run one, I guess, when I think about it. Uh, but what, what, you know, the basis there was that you already know so much before you get to use the calculator. So you have a base, right? Right. You know the formulas. You know what addition and subtraction and all this stuff is. Nowadays. That's just, the calculator was just checking your answer, checking your work. Nowadays, you don't even need to know any of this stuff, you know, and and you could almost use this stuff to 
to even cheat on tests and everything else to get through this stuff. So I, I don't know what the answer is to this. You actually. know, I got in that argument with my professor at UND. I'll never use college algebra. I was right. You were right. You never have, have you? Well, you don't have to, I guess. What I find interesting is the uh, the calculator, the scientific calculator. Did you ever buy one? Right, yes. What what, what did it cost you? Never got... Uh, they were expensive back then. Guess what? Bucks. They're, they're still... No. Really? Yeah, they're still expensive. You're kidding. No. I was no. stunned. Yeah, you can spend a few hundred dollars on them. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk. Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. All right, so playing on here. Here we go. 2045, ASI successfully reverses the aging process, extending human lifespans beyond 300 years. Quantum computing AI makes exponential advances in science, like biotechnology, allowing the AI to make significant genetic modifications to humans. Uh-oh. 20, 2045 was that? Yeah. Okay. So now we're talking. Uh, yeah, humans are broken. So let's fix them. Okay. Going back to the, the the conversation, the interview with Elon Musk. That was the rift between Elon and the CEO of Google. In uh, so twenty forty five. God. Let's see. The reverse aging process by that time. I mean, will I get my hair back? Is what I want to know. Okay, I'm thinking or we'll, Star Trek, the first movie, V'ger, and artificial okay. intelligence is eradicating humans yeah, but because they're, they're talking about reversing Skynet the age process. Or, well, yeah. process. Okay, okay, that's a different movie, Logan's Run, and because now there's too many people at the age of thirty, then you're done. Well, I mean, so, the, there there is this rock only holds so many people, Marlo. That's true. That's true. I'm still concerned about my hair, though. Okay. Not about eating insects or what they're talking about now. Have you ever had a grasshopper? I have. And? I would rather have a steak. They're kind of crunchy. Yeah, but I would rather have it. It might be a snack. Okay. Chocolate-covered grasshopper. Yes. Yeah. Or crickets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So, we're talking about where AI goes. And... It's become self-aware, and now it's making improvements on humans. Right, because it's actually modifying human biology. At whose direction? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. Okay, because this goes back to me to that conversation that is this is, is the Elon this? Musk interview, and where his friendship changed course or ended with the CEO of Google with the AI stuff was. He said that he was pursuing an AI deity, like finding or recreating God in AI. The Google CEO did. Yeah. Yeah. Elon had a problem with that. Yeah. I I have a problem with that. Okay, so again, at whose direction? Or or Who's going to say you're flawed as a human being and AI is going to fix that flaw? My guess at... At some time, this is going to be a pay-for-play scenario. Oh. So if you want to look younger, want to be younger, you get to pay for it. This is where I see it going right away. And then, of course, when that price continues to come down, everybody will have that option. But I'm going to guess it will be capitalistic to start. So you don't have to put my head on a monkey body later. 
I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what if this broke will just I, get fixed? I am literally going to use like Dolly and <laughs> upload your photo and ask it to put your head on a monkey body. At least make it a silver back, please. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Moving on. 2050, humans live alongside ASI, which reduces the cost of everything to near zero. We reach the age of abundance. Universal basic income is established. Humans live in mostly virtual reality. Universal basic incomes. Boy, that topic was a big deal during the pandemic. It's a conversation today. And back to politics a little bit, uh, there's a brand new Green New Deal. And that's one of the things that is addressed in that Green New Deal proposal. The new one is that universal, there's no wealthy people, There's no except for the wealthy people that are controlling them. Uh, but a, uh, a government paycheck. Universal. So, universal basic income. Um, but it also talks about that it's the age of abundance. Supply so, and demand. So does this mean that agriculture, all this stuff becomes so efficient that we have enough food, we have enough electricity because artificial intelligence is running all this stuff now? Is your Big Mac $1,200 or is it 12 cents? Or is there even a Big Mac anymore because it's not good for you? Well, yeah. There's that. Maybe we're all, it's the age of abundance because we're all eating kale. Oh, and they can gosh, make a lot of that I hate stuff. Kale. <laughs> Just say I don't know. But yeah, that's an interesting thing. The universal basic income, twenty fifty. So this prediction is is that in twenty basically twenty five years that we will have a universal basic income. In I'm not gonna get into the twenty five poli- <laughs> politics of this. I mean I don't know how we pay for a universal basic income without having income for everybody. I mean I don't understand that at all. But the but if the government's deciding that well universe it's an age of abundance your universal income could be a buck right because you don't need more than don't that. need money yeah yeah it's 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 interesting but it's I want to go to the beach in the winter and it costs yeah. more than a dollar all right twenty sixty twenty sixty the first humans begin to merge with ASI biological brains become more digital uploading parts of our consciousness to the internet twenty seventy the entire connect- Okay, now we're talking a different movie. Now we're talking The Matrix. Just plug us in. That's what it's saying. Yeah. We are starting to merge now with artificial intelligence by 2060. Our actual bodies will have implants, whatever it is, and and we will We be, can make him faster and stronger. and He can speak French. Six million dollar man and right there. 160 other languages. Just like that. Wee wee. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, to me, this, this really feels like... It's the, where it, we could go. Yeah, yeah. It, this, this is just one prediction. But it, what I find fascinating about this... Did is AI come up with that prediction? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. But the acceleration that what we're seeing here is never before been experienced in anything no the the pace of technology right now has never been faster and 
is going to get faster. That's yeah. the thing it is. That there's no... We there's, just started down the road. Yeah, and there's no... This, it's hard to even talk about because I, I've I've been in technology a long time, and usually things when they roll out, I mean, it's exciting and all this good stuff, but it usually takes years to implement and do all this other stuff. This AI stuff, I mean, basically we've been playing with it for four months now. I mean, on a grand scale where anybody who wants to have access to some type of AI can have access to it. And it's just exploding everything. And because of that, all these these predictors are coming out here. So, all right, here's 2070. Tumor has been mapped. The entire human brain is able to be replicated and connected to humanoid machines. It's hard to distinguish human from AI. Okay, I've seen those movies too. And those movies are the ones that really scare the crap out of me. Hard to establish humans from AI. So 2060, we're going to be interfaced with artificial intelligence. And in 10 years, according to this prediction, it's going to hard, be hard to, in, to even distinguish the difference between the two. Are we a species anymore? That's a great question. Because if artificial intelligence is aware of itself and now integrating into our bodies... I mean, are we AI or are we human? I guess we'll find out. And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. 